Welcome to Tanked Up, the podcast all about video games and craft beer. I'm Ben, and I'm not joined by Lucy. She's not here. She's not feeling very well, yeah. but not quite in her place, in a place all of his own. It's Mr. Adel Kirchner. Hey, Hello, in, in my place, which I've left vacant for <laughs> over a month. Yes. yes. I'm back from the the cold, the wet uh, spring of Vancouver. Hooray! Now I'm in the wet, but somewhat sunny spring. Spring of Bristol? Yeah, you've just traded one similar climate for another. Good. It's good that you're back. But we have guests. What? We do. We have two guests joining us as well. It's Mr. Sean Walton. Hey. And Mr. David Towsey. Hello. Of Pillbug Interactive. Uh, thanks Hello. for having us on. Yeah. Hi, That's guys. Cool. Thanks, for, thanks for having us. Yeah. Excited to be on the podcast. And Good. You've, I, I suppose you've come on to talk about your game, but we'll probably pull you away from that quite a lot, and Adel will take us on tangents. And what? Never. We'll go all around the shop. I, I yeah, was I actually going to say, what is Pillbug Interactive? But you, you, you gave oh. it away. <laughs> oh. Yeah. Yeah, we make games. That's, that's, that's what Ben gave, the big spoiler there. But I think we're pretty excited to talk about beer um, and, and, and our games, but most mostly other people's games as well. So... Yeah, uh, you know, because we're we're like that's the kind of guys we are. <laughs> yeah, we also like beers and games. Excellent. So you're in good. We're we're all in good company. <laughs> yes, yes, we are. Let's talk about the beers that we've got. Uh, as you guys are guesting, Sean, what what beer are you guys going to drink? Um, I've got Endless River from Flavely. So I got um, like around Christmas, I got one of their Flavely were doing a bunch of boxes where they had. Um, I think they did some like crowdsourced beer or something it's called. I don't know, but it, it's their own beer. Or mm. so my bad company brewing and distilling. Oh yeah. Um and it's a golden IPA. Combination of Centennial Columbus and Summit Hops. Has swimming with notes of tangy lemon and lime and just a little spit of pineapple. Oh. So I don't like pineapple. You don't like pineapple. I'm just okay, putting I it out the wrong right one. now. <laughs> Do not like pineapple. <laughs> uh, to be fair, I've, I've never had a um beer that says it has a pineapple note that really tastes of pineapple yeah okay so i think i've had one that did i can't remember what it, what it was but i do remember recently having one that that really did get that pineapple oh yeah do you remember what it was I think you're asking. no <laughs> which is not helpful i've been really surprised recently with the number of beers i've been getting that do taste insanely fruity there was one i think i saw you guys post um that had like a bunch of orange slices on the front of it i don't know if you remember it it was like maybe a couple of weeks ago you guys posted it and hmm. i've never tasted anything it almost tasted like orangeade really it was like full-on orange yeah. like, oh was that the was that the four pure like session yes. pale yeah. or something mm-hmm. yeah, yeah yeah i had that a couple of weeks ago and yeah it's almost it's not quite sort of Fanta esque, but it's it was kind of like too orangey, but just the right amount of orangey at the same time. <laughs> it was it was very strange. I mean, I'm um, trying to not do the whole "it's too orangey for crows" kind of Kiora 
thing, but I just had to jump in there and do that. <laughs> <laughs> so is this where I talk about and smell it and everything? This yes, yes. If you guys, if you guys have a little, have a little smell. I'm going to jump to Adol. Adol, what are you? Um, uh, what are you going to drink first? I am drinking the Arbor Gingerly Pale Ale. That's an APA with a dash of ginger. This easy-drinking extra pale ale was brewed with summer drinking in mind. The hop varieties were carefully selected to allow the ginger to come through. Expect a highly refreshing beer with citrus notes and a delicate note of ginger on the finish. Um, I hate when they... Oh, yeah, there it is. I'm just... I was going to say, I hate when they say hop selection and they'll give it to me, but I'm just blind because the larger print says brewed with Cascade, Laurel, Motueka, and Palisade hops and a judicious amount of fresh ginger. Excellent. Um, I'm going to stick with Bristol brewed beers as well. Uh, I'm going to have a Wiper and True uh, Bristol Crush, which is a pale ale. It's 3.8%, so something you like to start with. Uh, a sharp, refreshing pale ale with a soft malt base featuring citrus and sweet fruit flavours from the hops, mangoes, and passion fruit. The addition of grapefruit puree and zest delivers a dry, crisp finish. Hmm. Grapefruit puree is an interesting <laughs> yeah. ad. We'll see. Grapefruit being the you know, the go-to flavor for absolutely every yeah. beer in existence. Bitter and citrusy. Oh, it must be grapefruit. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So now we shall return to you guys. Okay. okay. Pressure's on. Right. Yeah. So I, I I listened to last week's podcast to try and get an idea of of what I should say about beer, and I forgot it. <laughs> <laughs> we did uh, we did our homework and then we forget it. Yeah. That's the plan. Okay. That's fair. All right. Okay. So I'm, I'm going to jump right in and Go say at least there's not very much pineapple here. Excellent. No, so, I, I'm not actually getting any pineapple. That's good. Um, <clears throat> it's kind of it. It's it's very bitter, very hoppy, and that's as much of a description as I think I can give you. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, I don't think I don't think I mean I uh, I was joking with Ben before we started recording that I used to have a reputation as a bit of a cider drinker rather than beer. Um, I'm glad to say I'm over that phase in my life. I've grown up a little bit, you know, moving the palate into other areas. And um, yeah, I guess IPAs for me are a bit too full on. I do like um, kind of amber ales a bit more, uh, mm. seem a bit softer from, from my tastes. Um, but maybe, maybe again, that's just about growing up a little bit more, moving on as well and broadening the horizons to some this of the is, hoppier stuff. But this is like not in your face with the fruit and, and the hoppiness. No, it's, no, it's, you're it's true, pretty, kind of pretty drinkable. Light. Yeah, it's drinkable. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. Yeah, definitely. It helps that it's drinkable. Yeah. Are, are there any sort of, like, you know, fruity flavours, tropical fruits? It's, it's suggested pineapple. If that's not coming through, is it maybe... I'm not getting... Yeah. Is it something else, perhaps? It's got to be something else, I suppose. Mm-hmm. <laughs> By definition, no, it has know. no taste yes. whatsoever. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. 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 I, it's, um, no, I think you're right. It's got that f- slight fruity kick. I don't know if I could. Again, maybe it's just not having quite the refined palate that you guys have. It's but... reminding me of some kind of sweet I've had in the past. Hmm. Well, like okay. like a oh okay. like a like a um, like a sweet shop sweet like a sweet shop sweet. Yes. Okay. But, um, I don't, I, yeah, but I don't know what. I can't so it's conjuring memories yeah, it's, of... it's giving me yeah of going into the sweet shop as a child and, and picking that penny sweet Fair enough. that's it just the one, the one, one. <laughs> yeah he spent all his money on beer it could have, couldn't, couldn't buy too many sweets 
Uh, it's got Belgian esters in. It'll probably be foam bananas or something like that. <laughs> um, Adol, let's come to you, dude. How's your beer? Um, I did a bad thing. I poured oh, no. like a complete knob. <laughs> this is <laughs> hey. it's lost maybe a third of the head already, and it's basically <laughs> a half glass ahead. Um, so if I could go after you, Ben, so I could let things <laughs> set. I will say this: the head lasts quite a long time. Is it? It's still around. You know. A minute and a half, two minutes later, it's basically, yeah, it's not easily drinkable without getting foam on my nose because of how bad the pour is. But it is, the thing I can tell you is the head lasts and um, nose-wise, I'm not getting a lot of the ginger. I am getting almost like a um, bit of tropical and almost like a touch of pine. I don't know where that's from, Um, but that's all. I'm going to skip the tasting part until I can get actually at the liquid. Um, so this this Bristol Crush uh, Pale Ale Wiper and True, it's on the nose. It's almost like a fruit squash, sort of quite a pared back, not a big flavour at all, um, and that's that's matched in its in its taste. Um, there's a lot of fruit flavours going on, but it's it's quite um, it's not viscous at all. It's not carbonated at all. It's really um, watery is the wrong word flat but it's yeah flat yeah exactly that um and it it does taste with a, a very slight hint of bitterness you know, barely anything at all but it does taste like a squash hmm. um and from my, i mean i've already drank an inch from my glass um in a minute so it's gonna just disappear go down like a squash. which is good that it's yeah three point one three point eight percent something like that so um, it's very nice. There's a lot of fruit going on in there. Um, um, any specific fruit? I mean, you mentioned pear, but I suspect that's me, me homonyming. Um, I think there's a bit more, um, definitely more tropical kind of mango-y. Um, what else did they say? They said there was grapefruit puree. Was that what it was? Mm. Um, the grapefruit isn't pushing through hugely. That's because it was puree. Um, so I there's a lot of other stuff going on, and maybe the the... the Grapefruit puree is is balancing things out a little bit, perhaps um, adding a little bit more sourness to maybe uh, something that would have been a bit more sweeter mm. had they not have added something like that to the mix. So when would they add that to the mix? Any idea? No. <laughs> <laughs> do not do brewing questions. Yes, yeah. just tasting. I'm always interested when you see something that's like a um, like I. At the the games event we went to a few weeks ago, mm. they, we had a was it a jam donut beer? Yeah, okay. And yeah. they added like they put five jam donuts in for the sugar to feed the yeast. Wow! And and it did. It was and I could smell it mm. when Kath was bringing it. Like I, I'd had a long day, so I could smell it from miles away. <laughs> but it, and you could smell that kind of candy floss. Mm. Like oh, the most amazing beer I've had yeah. in a long time. Jam donut beer. Okay. Nice. Should we jump back to you, Adam? Yeah, for sure. Has your head gone down at all? Uh, just, just in shame. Um, it's also quite uh, <laughs> straw-colored, very carbonated. Um, oh, actually, now that I'm smelling more of the liquid, there is a hint of spice, sort of right at the end of the nose, which is uh, expect as the ginger. It is sweeter than I expected. It's quite light. Um, mm. I am getting a little of the Cascade hops through. There's quite a mixture of flavors from all those hops in general. 
Um, so there's a slight tropicaliness, but mostly it's just sweet. I am still getting a bit of the pineness. The bitter only sort of comes near the finish, which is also light but long. Um, okay. And the ginger is surprisingly much more sedate than I would have expected. Mm, you're kind of expecting like a big hit of ginger. Yeah, and it's sort of um, you know those can- candy ginger. So it's sort of they don't really have the ginger burn, has and, mm. and they're quite and a little sweet. That's what like the first hit is a light version of that, and then the hops, the rest of the hops sort of kick in, and the ginger sort of fades before the finish starts. So I'm actually quite surprised. Like it's there. It's just for something. I guess they did say. I mean, a dash of ginger. It's an APA with a dash of ginger, and it really does taste like a dash. Like he, I think if he wasn't called gingerly pale ale, some might miss the gingerness. Like it's really not. It's a thing you look for, find, but not. Oh, that's gingery, which it, sure. sort of like okay. um, like a really inexpensive North American ginger beer. Rather than a real right. ginger beer, which you know burns your throat. Mm. But I suppose that's good in one way because it makes it a bit more accessible to people who, you know, just just might pick one up thinking that they don't like ginger as much, but they want to try it just to see what it's like. Versus people that go, "I really want a ginger beer." Yeah, I, I mean, I think it's it's just weird because it's I guess gingerly is also sort of an idea of lightness. The gingerly pale ale mm-hmm. is what it's called, which is an APA with a dash of ginger. Um, but again, I guess I just assumed more. But now that I reread things, I probably was assuming the wrong thing. Okay, that's. But fine. it's it's quite good. That's it's fine. very refreshing. That part they got down pat. Uh, the sun has now disappeared mm. since we started recording, but I still f- yes. feel like the sun is out, and I'm having a nice, relaxing beer. Good, good. That's excellent. Right, we're all watered, we're ready to go. Uh, so, Sean and Dave, we dragged you on, obviously to have a beer with us, uh, but essentially, because we have been playing, and I spoke about quite a lot, Cycle 28, which is the game you guys released a month or so ago now? March 30th? March 9th. 9th. Wow. Uh, March 9th, yeah. 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 Um, Jeez, I know. So, uh, so almost two months ago. Time yeah. flies, mm-hmm. it really does. Wow. Mm-hmm. Um how has this sort of, I suppose, this first six, seven weeks been for you guys? Hectic? Or did you release the game and go, thanks very much, bye, just just play it, please, see you later? Um, the most hectic part, I think, was that there was like a week before and the week after mm. was where the, where it got really hectic. Um, and then I think we both kind of crashed and I, I went on holiday and you moved house. Oh, wow. <laughs> um, <laughs> which, which was no kind of holiday whatsoever. Yeah. yeah. But it, it's been, it's been incredibly, like, it's been incredible actually. Hmm. Um, so this is Pillbug's second game. Yeah. Um, and it, that it's very different to the, what happened with the first game. Um, but this one, I think we got a lot more um, positive critical feedback. Um, so we had a lot of people, saying good things about the game and, and talking about things they liked in the game design, which was, that was very rewarding. And, and it felt mm. like, well, it's validating, right? It's, mm. it's good to know people are liking a thing that you made. Yeah, 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 definitely. And, uh, you know, even even in the short time that Pillbug's been releasing games, you know, obviously the, game, the indie game scene has just changed so radically um, that... Even for us, a small studio um, of two devs, see the difference. Um, mm. But we were, you know, we were just amazed that people reached out to us, um, were were 
creating content based on our um, you know on our game and and kind of really responding to it um, and getting really involved in the community I think that's been the thing that's really uh, blown my mind and, you know Ben yourself as well has been a kind of a, a leading light in that community as well as, uh, as as a lot of other active users so that um, yeah, you said validating. I think that for me was was hugely exciting and and, and validating really for all the effort that we went to. Mm -hmm. And um, just yeah. did it for those of us. Uh, I mean, for not us. Um, for those who might have missed the episode where Ben talked extensively about it, and also just because I'm curious how you described the game, mm. could you guys give us a um, just a quick, um, we'll say elevator pitch type um, mm -hmm. encapsulation of the game. And then we'll we'll drill down on the details afterwards. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Okay. So, all right, Sean's looking at me to do. Oh, that. I thought you guys um, were looking at each other in a way that I thought you were going to do that yeah. improv game where you both yeah, yeah, start yeah. speaking at the same time. At the same time. We yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, we would definitely not say the same thing, and it would be embarrassing. Uh, so it's a it's a definitely a retro arcade shooter with a Groundhog Day style storyline behind it. I think it's my, my the way I've developed our own. Yeah, I just said Groundhog Day in space. Yeah, okay. And, Sorry, and that's, yeah, yeah it's, it's that. It's that. But yeah. It's good. Good elevator pitch. We've gone one floor. Yeah. <laughs> that's brilliant. That's, that's all that's you exactly need. That's exactly what that's we need. Now, I've only played an hour or so of the game today because um, uh, I didn't really have access to a PC um, when I was in Canada. Uh, and I did try to run it on Wine, um, Windows emulator on, on, on Mac hardware but it uh you need direct x11 apparently which isn't emulatable so i was sad oh, about that okay. all right well, so uh, if, we'll if get... i mean no, this is not me airing a weird support thing that i recognize <laughs> that, that what i was attempting is totally off book i was just uh i was just disheartened because after ben spoke so highly about it i'm like oh i'm gonna play this because you know it doesn't sound resource intensive so my little macbook air can run it but it can't it's funny uh, I can think with both of our games um, they have that kind of veneer of, of being really easy to run and yet actually Sean will talk to this a little bit more than, than me but under the hood they're doing quite a lot of things that require quite quite significant hardware right? yeah yeah um, well I wouldn't say Sega 28 isn't a significant hardware but it's um there's a lot going on behind mm -hmm. there with a the number of units. So we, we use the, the fact that it's a lo-fi, quite simple-looking game to really push the unit count mm. and the bullet mm. count and everything else, um, something you couldn't do on, like, a, a retro system. Mm -hmm. So I, I, I like this idea of, of these modern kind of retro games that Actually are retro games, but you couldn't hardware? possibly... Yeah, you couldn't possibly do them on the retro hardware. Mm. Mm. Nice. Um, let's jump a little bit back... Uh, what was the um, the inspiration for the game? So this is a game I've had in my head for like years. Um, and the inspiration is the scene in Return of the Jedi where um, it's the battle outside the the second Death Star. And it's the It's a Trap scene. Yes. And um, Lando is flying. So it's um, Akbar says, It's a Trap. And then you cut to the Millennium Falcon and all you see is this cloud of TIE fighters heading at the Millennium Falcon. And I remember watching it when I was a kid and like immediately getting that feeling of absolute chaos mm. and, and like really thinking about no one knows what they're shooting at. We're all just shooting <laughs> and like we're going to there's no way there's not friendly fire there. 
it's just crazy and so i wanted to capture that feel of like there's so much stuff here i don't know what to do i'm just going to shoot it's this idea of carving your way through um a bunch of tie fighters that's like i'm just going to push fire and that will make a path and i can go through it mm -hmm. and that's where it came from and then yeah i literally like we wrote a we, we wrote a post about this and i think some people just think it's a marketing thing but i did genuinely spend like when I was in secondary school drawing doodles of like dog fights in my homework diary <laughs> and that's where it came from and I've been thinking about how to make this game for a long time <laughs> and then eventually like I made something mm -hmm, mm -hmm. yeah so so from the beginning the idea was sort of the dog fighting to the extreme of just filling the screen with not only ships and you know you have these Probably all capital ships, which release their little fighters, yeah. but mm -hmm. also bullets. Yeah. Yes. Different um, types of projectiles, of which sort of have it, you know, have um, different effects. It seems. Mm -hmm. So, like mechanic, like mechanics-wise, I've actually it's interesting. So last week you were talking about racing games, and you were talking about, and um, how like maybe you don't play racing games so much anymore. Mm. Cycle Twenty Eight is a racing game. Okay. It's designed as a rally game. It's about power sliding and it's about getting a perfect lap time being your high score. I mean, this is how you conceptualize it. And I think you're, yeah. you're right to do that. And it's, it's kind of a really interesting take on because it's so different to what you would immediately assume. You know, it's like, yeah, oh, very... I'm shooting stuff, so it's a shooting game. Um, but I think you're right. Like, when you take a little bit of time to kind of look beyond that and see what other things are going on, um, you could see why the kind of concept of a racing game yeah you know, makes well sense. i mean inertia and momentum have such a big part to the gameplay like um yeah uh i was really struck by um one of the first upgrades is like um fire broad um side firing mm -hmm. yeah yes. and, and the way the ship handles when you're firing is so completely different because they're clearly acting on your motion. I found that really interesting. And when I switched to two in the front, two in the back, I, ha I found I, I liked that control much more, even though I was more likely to get hit and lose my multiplier because I wasn't having these extra projectiles that were hard, you know, that would just catch mm -hmm. things that aren't in my sort of vector. Um, mm -hmm. But I just, the control, like I didn't have a mastery of the control with the side firing, and I liked the way I could sort of, I mean, it was just very simple. Like when I'm accelerating, it's just you know one variable. I'm accelerating, and when I'm shooting, I'm going to have some force going, also pushing me forward, but a lot pushing me back. So I'm just going to slow down, and that means I can kind of play with that in a very you know simple way. Which I think, given the lack of time, that really appealed to me, and it was much better to mm -hmm. lose the multiplier than get than be careening into capital ships, for example. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, a couple, a couple of um, people in the community and some of the feedback and stuff have, have asked for uh, a break button, a button to break. Yeah, I mean, um, I, okay. I keep wanting on you play on the controller, and I keep hitting the left trigger, thinking, yeah, I'll go. Oh, it does nothing. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> and I, I, I think we, I, I can see that. Like, yeah. I can see why you might, you might want that. Um, but uh, so much of the game is like what you said; it's about managing your momentum. Yeah, that would um, seem kind of like I, a cheat. Like, one of the ways you can do yeah. that is to, I mean, if you just have your front firing, is to turn around or, like, turn mm -hmm, a little and mm -hmm, use that to mm -hmm, slow mm -hmm. you down in a way that you're still sort of being active and fighting. Yeah. 
which is a much more skill intensive kind of way of doing it than just like hitting a button. Um, so I think we kind of, we, we, we you know, all, all feedback's appreciated, but we were kind of a little unsure that we wanted to actually do that um, in Cycle 28. Um, I mean, I'm a, one of those Mario Kart players who just never breaks. I mean, it's not... It's not something I'm proud of, but well, you know. the, the advantage of it, like I like the way you described it as a rally game, or because in, in rallying you're doing power sides. I get that, but then also the only reason you have to hit the brakes is because you're coming up to a turn and you you know in space. So mm-hmm. why would you mm-hmm. use the brakes? Yeah, just keep going in the space. <laughs> um, yeah, I think yeah. Uh, it. Adding a break button would seem to make it much more like an Asteroids game, which, you know, at the on mm. first blush, I'm thinking, oh, this is like Asteroids. Right? Top down, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, of course, it became very apparent that it wasn't Asteroids. But, like, clearly it has the same aesthetic and the same perspective. Yeah. And so I can see why people might want to go into the, the sort of the norm of that aesthetic and say, well, why not? Can I just a break? But then you're doing a lot more. I would say guerrilla dogfighting than than sort of manic sweeping dogfighting, which seems to be what the, the game is about. <laughs> yeah, I, I I mean that's one of the things I really enjoyed about it, sort of the the fluid motion that it that it gives you, um, and and having to balance you know, what you're doing and, and constantly moving forward oh, versus shit. quick turns or sweeping turns. Uh, oh, dude, that head! Oh no. It's quite a carbonated beer. And I started listening to you as I was pouring and then realized that I had no apparent control over anything. <laughs> Unlike Cycle 28, pure control. Oh, I'm also shit at your game, by the way. <laughs> oh, uh, sorry. Wait, wait. We'll see you on the leaderboard soon, I'm sure. Um, I think I'm 138. That's not bad. Yeah, not bad. Jeez. I, You're like 12. I to, uh... Nova 47 is 12. <laughs> yeah, I managed to get up to I can't remember what it was, fourth, third or fourth. I you were think pretty high up there for a, for about four days, mm-hmm. and I've just slowly been watching that high score drop mm-hmm. further and further down, thinking today I'll do it today. No, <laughs> no, I won't do it today. And I don't know whether my high score was just uh, just a massive fluke. I was just in the zone, you know. I just played a couple of runs and just you know, I just knew exactly what I was doing for that run and that run only, and it will never be replicated um, ever again. That brings me to the point of um, so I had a very good run, um, which got me my my piddly twenty five sixty five score, um, and now and then then the next like fifteen times I played before I had to stop and join you guys. Um, I didn't even come close. Like broke two thousand like once since then, and then um, because of that, I haven't unlocked anything else. Correct? Yeah, that's correct. You have a bit of a um, beat your high score. That's all you have to do with your new weapon. All all you have to do. Easy as that. So (laughs) so if, if one didn't know that, they could just play poorly eight rounds in a row. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, yeah, Sean and I um, in pre-launch we had a uh, in beta. This came up obviously um, because we had some good beta testers, um, and uh, so we we sat down and thought long and hard about whether or not we actually wanted this upgrade system. 
um, whether or not we should just have, you know, the uh, kind of a traditional arbitrary get 500 points, yeah. get 600 points, get get 1,000 points kind of system. Um, which, you know, works for a lot of games, nothing wrong with it. But um, uh, in the end, we did decide that, okay, there will be some people who achieve the system and get all 10 upgrades. Um, and, uh, you know, and, and that's just what that is. Um, but what we felt was that that would be quite a minority of players where the majority of players would be just feeling that that urge, that niggle, that buzz, whatever you want to call it, to just one more run to to get mm. that better score. And you only have to do it by one point. You know, that's there have been points where I've literally, we've been playing, we record some videos for um, our channel as well. Um, and I can just see just in the top left corner of my eye that I'm 10 points away from the next upgrade. And, you know, you get that heartbeat going. Yeah. You know, it's quite an intense game anyway. Um, so we did, we did weigh up the pros and cons of that upgrade system. And it has been, I mean, controversial is a bit of a strong way of saying it, but it has been a bit It's been the main point of contention. I yeah. mean, it's the main thing that, that is a kind of almost love-hate Mm. with people mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. which has been interesting i guess yeah. to see for, for me it sort of was like uh, um the last upgrade i had was something something with drones and i didn't see in my playstyle, as nascent as it is uh any really big difference and so it was like because I, I get the idea like you have no upgrades you do this well you get an upgrade it's now making you more powerful so surely you will be able to do better but if an upgrade sort of doesn't gel with you, then you're sort of like, well, now I, if it was like a, a just a really lucky run, I'm sort of stuck. But again, I think you're right that like, yeah, that happens. And and I think we um we we knew going in that we wouldn't have ten upgrades that uh, would definitely make um, someone better. You get yeah 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 exactly. So um, we wanted. Uh, we wanted to push players to kind of get better at the game, uh, which is I don't know. Is that mean? I think it's kind of a bit a bit mean. It, it, it's meant to be a bit brutal. Yeah, I think. Um, but uh, <clears throat> you're right, though. Like, not every upgrade is as good as the others. Obviously, like I think with most game upgrades, whether it's a loot system or an upgrade system, you're not always getting that. Uh, well, power creep can be quite dangerous, I suppose, mm. to certain games. Um, but what we what we wanted to get was that kind of sense of playstyle, like you were talking about, Ad, um, where you know maybe you do gel with a certain set of upgrades, but you then have another set or build, if you like, that you can play around with, and maybe you're not as good at it, but you know it gives you more ways to play what is a very simple game uh, in its essence. Um, yeah, and sure. I think. Yeah, that's been a positive for us. Yeah, so, sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt there. Um, yeah. No, 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 carry on. Uh, I think um, for me, it's because like the, the drones are less tangible, and mm. it, you don't really get a sense for what they're doing until you you sort of played enough to see them in action, etc. So I gravitated towards firing upgrades, and so now that I'm sort mm-hmm. of at a bit of a plateau, I'm like, oh, what if I tried mm. the drone approach? And then I made the mistake of. of putting two both my upgrades and drones and i was like oh fuck man i'm not used to this one gun <laughs> yeah 300 points That's, later it, i'm so dead to, it's so hard to kind of like turn off that double shot after you've used it once yeah mm-hmm. yeah um mm-hmm. it's yeah we had uh we had a really great review coming quite early after launch um which really stuck with us and he uh 
he labelled that double drone upgrade build as the Spicy Boys build um, <laughs> because he was just like, like you say, there's just tons of drones on the screen uh, and just like things got a bit spicy for this one reviewer. And we haven't been able to shake that nickname no, yet like since, mm-hmm. since, uh, since then. So yeah, we are definitely fans of the Spicy Boys build. Um, I think we know one of the two of the top uh, people on the leaderboard also have said in our discord channel that that's the build that they've run mm. um for their but but again like we love that 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 feeling is how could i possibly not run with multi-shot how could i possibly not have more guns yeah it's a shoot, it's shooting game and yet uh we've had certainly have some players do very well on that one lone starting gun yeah well i mean it one of the problems of the multi-shot is it slows you down mm. so if yeah. it is a rally sort of what did I call it? A manic dog fighting sort of thing. Simple guns, more manic. <laughs> yeah, as you said, John, it's hard to go back. Um, and I know that I've I've stuck with that that sort of double shot at the front almost the entire way, whilst kind of playing about with the with the other slot for upgrades and um, and essentially settling on the. Uh, the upgrade where you get more drones the more you shoot. Oh, so my screen is just me constantly moving and constantly shooting, just in all directions at all times, just with drones popping up continuously. I mean, there must be uh, there must be a hard limit on the amount of drones that you actually pop. But I'm guessing because they they you know they get shot, they get hit by projectiles, and they die and stuff so much that you're constantly regenerating drones anyway. Yeah, so so there's a funny bug that uh, slipped in with that one. Um, <laughs> so 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 yeah, um, so yeah, there's a hard limit on the number of drones. If there wasn't, like you would kill your computer. Yeah. everyone would kill their yep. computer. Um, <laughs> but I forgot to put originally when I made that upgrade. I forgot to put the check in when you have that upgrade enabled. Oh, so and having du- <laughs> having the drone gun basically gave you infinite drones. <laughs> and so of course that was the best build <laughs> yeah yep. but it also I, I think it's okay to say this yeah. um, it also produ- because the hard is it okay to say this yeah I don't know what you're going to say so <laughs> I have to okay we can we can cut it out yeah okay you're right so get ready to edit this bit out then um, just in case it's the, not right yeah mm-hmm. yeah um, is that it also affects the enemy drone yeah, yeah, you can, yeah, yeah. So it's not just player drones; it's enemy. Drones. Oh, it's a hard limit so of drones course, on screen. Yeah, full stop. Like right. so, and everybody like I mean, love them or hate them. Those little enemy drones are amazing at building your multiplier, right? You like yeah. tank yeah, five that of them, the six of your Yeah, exactly. So um, you know, if you had tons of player drones, you it meant you like those carriers. Just at times, they wouldn't spawn any drones, so they were like they went from kind of a really good enemy to get that score up to to one of the worst so it was uh it was kind of it was like it mistakenly balanced itself yeah it, it did the, the game balanced itself it was fine <laughs> that's really interesting <laughs> did you guys figure that out quite quickly yeah <laughs> <laughs> uh yeah uh, i yeah we did we did we did because it was pointed out to us quite quite early on in some of the the release day videos I saw a video where someone's frame rate was dripping, was like really dipping, mm. and I was like, "This mm. is odd. They really shouldn't be doing that." 
and then I, I, I realised, I was like, oh. <laughs> we did patch it quite quickly. And, and in fairness, on our Steam community page, we we did uh, own it. <laughs> we did say, right. this is why we're patching. And, you know, and, and, and yeah, we, we, we did. We, we said, like, do we need, to, we asked if they, we needed to reset this scoreboard. But someone said they weren't even using that build to get the second score. So, yeah, that's we're okay. Right. And someone's oh. beaten it, like, twice since. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. It it's not actually. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So, can, good. You, you mentioned the Steam page. Curious, um, and you mentioned a Discord. So, I guess I'm curious, uh, as a bit of an outsider to your game community. I mean, Ben's been good on Twitter, and and I noticed he put a Steam review, etc. Um, what um, sort of where where do you sort of live in community management? Like actually, where where do you like? What are the places if people wanted to interact with you? Where where could they go? One and then two, how sort of what's what types of what kind of engagement do you have? And you mentioned beta testing, etc. I just thought it'd be a nice window from the developer side, sort of what community management looks like slash behind the scenes, what it means to you. Mm-hmm. Obviously, mm-hmm. feel free not to say. Sometimes people are yeah. really annoying, but if you do, we can bleep it out. And also, I said it. So <laughs> uh, well, you go first, Sean. Okay. Um, well, so I would the, first, the place to go if you want to get involved is pillbog.zone. Oh, um, there's a dot zone I, domain. Yeah, pillbog.zone. I, I bought that as a joke, and no one's got it yet. So it's probably like <laughs> the worst money I've spent. Um, but yeah, yeah. Before David was part of the company, so I didn't have anyone to tell me that that was a bad idea. <laughs> Um, so if you go there, there's a mailing list. It would be like the first place to sign up, and um, we will set we send things like you can get a free copy of the soundtrack. I see that, um, and that's that's a place to just kind of we'll send some news, and you get kind of uh, told about the news there first, um, and then from there you'll find our Discord, and the Discord originally we put in place or I put in place for the first game because the first game was all about trying to figure out. It's a. Um, it was an ecosystem game where you did lots of genetic engineering, mm-hmm. and it wasn't clear what genes do. So people needed a place to chat, right? Um, and that's how that started. And um, so people chat there, and then we then that's where we got our testers from for the next game. Okay. So like the really kind of hardcore members of the community, um, we we kind of offered them some keys to help us out. Um, so so there, and then yeah, Twitter, Facebook are the other places. Um, yeah. We're quite so, active on those two. Yeah, I mean, we like community yeah. management-wise. I think I don't know if it's luck or or we've got an amazing community. Mm. And I, the thing that surprises me every time I launch, every time out of two, um, <laughs> that both times I've launched a game is like there are lots of nice people, and it's it's very easy. To, like I, I think we've had one one case of someone kind of um, grating on me a bit this launch. I would say. I can think of one example, and and their Twitter handle for, is that 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 is massive. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's like that's that's like you remember that because you always do. That's the way your brain works. Um, also, if it's, it's easy to thing. remember one thing. Yeah, I was saying. <laughs> yeah. I mean, also if it's yeah. just one person, it's a lot easier to remember. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Can you um, characterize the, like what made it a negative thing? Um, feel free not to. Again, we can cut this out if you decide um, later well, that you I, don't I, want I think, it. I'm just curious I, what what it means. Yeah. Given that there's one instance that stood so, out, I, I, I'll, I'll speak generally, and because I, I think a lot of game developers will, will say the same thing. Um, I think how games are made is kind of a hidden thing. So, 
like if every film, every DVD or Blu-ray you get has a making of on it. And you yep. can watch and see all the work, all the effort, all the people that were involved in making that thing. It's also a fairly um, game, steady set of variables. Yeah, it, it's it's something I think you can tangent. Like most people can understand how a film is made at, at, at some kind of level. Whereas games have always been very hidden, very secretive. We don't tell anyone what's happening until we've released it. And I think that creates like a lot of people who... Like everyone's allowed an opinion. I'm not trying to say like to have an opinion, but you, people don't understand how games are made and what goes into games. So people will ask for features or, or say just do this in, or what you've done is easy. Survivors. I could have done this. Yeah, <clears throat> but I think in fairness, part that, <clears throat> sorry, that's the game development community slightly reaping what it sows, and I th- I think that that he's saying it, it's lack, your fault. Uh, yeah, it is. Yeah, it is. Yeah. But mm. importantly. I think that's changing. And I think, like, if you go to any indie game development studio now, uh, you go to their YouTube page and you will see videos of them coding or developing or, you know, having meetings mm-hmm. or sit-down chats. You know, and you, you, I, even before a game's launched, obviously, through development, but also post-launch, um, you know, developers are far more um, approachable, amenable to communicating with their communities, with their customers, um, you know, than ever before. I mean, indie uh, developers, I, I, definitely. I'm not sure how yeah. EA to pick a studio yeah. at random. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. but, I, I think sometimes they have their influ- influences in mm-hmm. and, and record them pointing at Stormtroopers. <laughs> <laughs> um, so uh, you, you sort of just reminded me um, of... so. Steam has early access slash green light and whatever all mm. iterations they have. You guys didn't use that, did you? Did you? I can't remember. No. Yeah. Um, no, we didn't. I'm, I'm just curious. <laughs> um, was it just because you already had a baked in set of beta testers so it wasn't needed? Um, um, so we, it's something we thought about. Hmm. Um, at the time, it's a really tricky, it's a, it's a tricky situation. So back when Intelligent Design came out, um, I had a year of early access on itch and then like some people started saying hey you should put this on steam I did a green light campaign because that's the only way you could get on steam back then was successful after a few months and then came on steam with like a full product without early access right um, so now anyone can just pay 100 quid to get a game on steam and you can literally go on the store page new releases and you'll see yeah. people who upload the unity tutorial Mm-hmm. Um, and and there's a lot of stuff like that, mm-hmm. uh, and so a lot. When you talk to developers about how to use these things like early access, that what we're thinking about is is are you wasting your launch window where you get a lot of traffic? Right. So is it better to have a game that's finished and launch that straight away, or is it better to launch it kind of slightly unfinished and then launch it again in like properly a few months later? Like, what effect does that have on your overall sales? Right. Mm. And and that's a difficult question to mm. answer. In, in in a case like Serial Twenty Eight, it's quite a small like, it's a it's a small game, mm-hmm. right? It's mm-hmm. it's a it's not I think the kind of game that would have benefited from early access. Right. I think maybe if we were to make a more systems driven game or a a game like like you see like uh, RimWorld or something like that, uh, like a lot of these kind of management games. Is I think that, is that one of those o- office games where you're at BlackBerry headquarters? That kind of thing. <laughs> so all, all these kind of like crazy uh, the, the games that are kind of popular right now. Yeah, I mean, yeah, when you're like managing 
a world, I suppose, a, a, a factory. What is it? Factorio is another good example where you're just kind of building um, complex systems that have interlocking parts with lots of different tech trees and upgrades and things like that. Then, you know, we had to balance 10 upgrades right. and about and about eight to 10 enemies. You know, that's not, you know, that's not the kind of thing that requires um, a legion of testers to do. We had a, a hardcore group of about 25 people who were, um, with, you know, more than capable of giving us the kind of feedback that really helped polish uh, Cycle 28. Um, but I think, like Sean says, there, there are more than just technical implications to things like early access um, now. It is, I think de developers are having to think long and hard about marketing implications of pretty much every choice they make. Um, yeah, completely. I, I remember, um, it, I don't think it was even last year, it may have been the year before that, um, but I picked up Darkest Dungeon oh, yes. yeah. when that came on early access or whatever was the version of it on Steam at the time. Um, and they then released X number of months later and almost on, on their full release when the full game came out, not many people were talking about it, not anywhere near the the sort of the original kind of almost beta version mm. that had, had kind of come out for people to begin playing which was about 50 percent maybe a little bit more than that of the of the content that they were going to have mm, for the yeah. game um, and i guess for for some studios it's almost used as a, a financial kind of incentive to, to bring a little bit more money in to be able to keep going and add mm -hmm. more stuff uh, but for at least for darkest dungeon they then were able to um release on other platforms so they had full-scale releases on things like switch and um ps4 to to then have more hype built up around that that kind of thing um have you guys thought about other other platforms or is it is it just is it just a bit too far out of uh, for, for cycle 28 that's a master race game <laughs> no um yeah we have um we are and we will be um, I think that's probably about as much as I, well you know more about NDAs and things like that than oh, I do NDAs sure, so. is fine we, we, we're not NDA'd at all okay. like, to, we, we, can, we can say the thing that we can we uh, yeah, I mean I think it's so. not <laughs> you there's not one to um, quick check the email yeah, 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 <laughs> we, we can say that, that, that we have spoken to a certain um, a, a certain company that has Italian game gaming characters um, <laughs> involved <laughs> at their core yeah, um, um, no, we, we are currently porting it to Switch. Ooh, yeah. Yeah, nice. Yeah, so that's, that, I mean, which is insanely exciting. Um, yeah. Like, yeah. I think absolutely insane. Just, um, you know, just to be seeing emails from that company and talking to, to that company seriously about uh, our mm. game is, is amazing. It's mm. amazing. It's, it's um, made everything feel real yeah. again. Right, yeah. I, I and, think. and you know personally I hate being that boy who cries wolf I'm always trying to keep information like until it's like there and it's on the store page and it's away you go mm -hmm. um, but yeah this is this is just it's just great it's yeah great I mean like we, we we might get to a stage where we for whatever reason we can't yeah but we are trying mm -hmm. like and, yeah and very active mm -hmm. in porting yeah so. yeah, yeah and uh, nice Ben, are you a Switch gamer? Are you some, some, someone who's interested in that? Yeah, I'm. I'm interested in the Switch. Uh -huh. I don't have one. Oh, okay. I'd, I'd love one. Uh, uh -huh. You know, it's it, in the it's in the post. Play on. Yeah, I'd love. <laughs> cheers. 
I, I, I'll have the dev kit. That's no problem. Um, I'd love to be able to um, play games on the toilet. That'd be you know a few little <laughs> mobile games, a few little tapping mobile games and stuff like that. So yeah, I've never used I... my Switch on the toilet. Oh, you're doing it wrong. No, that's good, Adam. That you know, stay, stay clean, stay safe, stay hygienic. <laughs> so I actually, I took my Switch on holiday with me, and it's the first time I've used it as a portable platform. And I came back thinking it's the most amazing. Yeah, I was ever. the same. I just kept it, kept it in the dark for for ages. Um, and then, oddly enough, when I right before I left for Canada, I was like, oh, I bought Mario Odyssey and haven't played it yet. And I was like, I just picked it up to to sort of check the charge of the controllers. And I sat down. And I was like, ah, fuck it. And I just played the first world of Mario Odyssey in bed. And was like, this is great. Why have I never yeah. done this before? <laughs> Living room is so far away sometimes. Yeah, even, even less reason to get out of yeah. bed now. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, nice. Uh, well, that, it, it, it's good that you guys have, have kind of been able to almost take another step with the game, that kind of the, the, the release and, you know, kind of post-release community stuff um, isn't the end, yeah. I suppose. But I guess this now kind of takes up all of your time um, to to maybe not be able to kind of jump into the the next idea, I suppose. Um, go on, sorry. Yeah, it's um it it is a it's a balancing act. I mean, for two two devs at a very small indie studio who are also holding down uh, day jobs, um, fairly demanding mm. ones. Um, it is about time management and and just prioritization. And I think cycle twenty eight is our priority at the moment. I think what we what we're looking at with other platforms um, is as well, but we're in you know serious discussions between Sean and I about uh, giving intelligent design uh, a significant update. Um, okay, we've had a lot of user feedback about the things they like and the things they don't like, and we want to kind of address a little bit of that. Um, and then yeah, of course there is the next the next thing. Um, I think Sean and I. Uh, would love to be the kind of studio that produced a game every year, every 18 months. Um, mm. You know, whether or not that's going to be feasible. Yeah, uh, that, that was kind of the plan. Um, but it, like, Circle 28 was kind of an experiment to make a game in a year. Mm. Yeah. So it was, to, and to see how that went. Um, and so we're still kind of knowing and knowing how that went. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, well, feedback was good, but, mm-hmm. but it, from this point of view, whether that's a good way of running a business. Right. Like we won't know that for a few months, um, um, and then okay. like and like Dave was kind of saying there, like we we get this this issue where we already have one title, right? So we start working on Cycle Twenty Eight, like we we get that out onto whatever platforms we're going to get it on, and then we think, oh, we should go support Intelligent Design. Then maybe we make another game. Then when we've done that game, do we then we then want to do an update for Cycle Twenty Eight? Yeah, then we probably want to do yeah. an update for Intelligent Design. Yeah. So, and then and you just it snowballs. So and because I don't think. Yeah, it, um, it, the idea of abandoning a game is like not a good. Like we don't want to do that, and and uh, so yeah, um, yeah that's something like, to keep thinking about. It, it must build in with sort of like the more you learn from then developing another game. You know, you pick up new skills, you pick up different ways of doing things, um, being a bit more efficient in what you're doing. Mm-hmm. To know that you can jump back into a game and just change, you know, spend a little bit of time changing a few things, which will make a big difference to that game. But as you say, it's kind of balancing and thinking. Well, that game's never going to have another release. Yeah. So I'm maybe making changes for the, you know, for the existing community around mm-hmm. that game who are going to kind of be appreciative and who yeah. might then, 
you know tell their friends about it a little bit more perhaps and sort of spread the word slightly but i guess it's kind of saying you know i have no idea how long it takes to do any of this sort of stuff but it's kind of thinking well we've kind of got a week two weeks just to be able to go in and just tighten a few little bits up uh, and just change it a little bit you know change the color of the ui or something like that and then run away from yeah. it again for you know 18 mm, months right. and do something a little bit more exciting than um maintenance i mm, suppose maintenance mm. and kind of updating so. i guess um yeah. i mean this is why games like democracy end up getting sequels rather than sort of mm. large overhauls because it yeah it means that the current yeah. user base will probably support you and there's more buzz and it's an official release but also it means mm-hmm. that like all the things you've learned go to a new engine or at least a new sort of lick of paint that's substantive yeah. rather than trying to sort of reinvigorate mm-hmm. the, the the thing yeah that that's definitely like in my mind when i think back of of like everything i've learned doing Slug 28 like you you think back to intelligent design and, and how i would do that completely differently now you would do it unintelligent mm, like right from the scratch yeah <laughs> <laughs> there'd be and no it, design yeah. <laughs> oh, I see. Intelligent, but but lack of design. Yeah, no design. Mm-hmm. Um, Intelligent yeah, improv. And, yeah. and I think it's you know, I, other indeed devs have talked about this online extensively and things like that. But there is for every game, I think now, or for for a lot of games, is the the long tail. You know, there are still people mm. you know buying. Um, intelligent design um, you know a year or more after release just because a game's released doesn't mean people stop buying it so yeah um, you know so especially if you end up you, releasing on new titles right like yeah. when people see oh this game's available on switch and they're like oh I've heard about this and they're like oh cool it's on PC like mm-hmm. you even mm-hmm. see I, spikes on PC sales for when the Mac and the Linux version comes out often right just because because mm-hmm. somewhere someone blogged about it and that triggered someone to be like oh cool I can get this on this other platform I could have got it a year ago on mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah and and you know those 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 are for a lot of indie devs it's that it's that model that is keeping them going right you know and and uh, I think it's <clears throat> incumbent on us to to kind of be aware of that and make sure that we're supporting that community mm-hmm. um whether it's through discord updates steam updates you know videos whatever um and uh it's just to know that they're they're hugely valued by us as a, as yeah. a studio mm-hmm. um, nice good um that's probably a, a lovely little place to stop because I'm out of beer. I need another beer. Uh, I am going to crap open. Crap open? Crack. Crack open. The Wylam Future Shock. Double dry hopped IDA. I don't know what an IDA is. Can doesn't tell me what an IDA is. It's a non-electronic um, idea. Thank you. That's exactly what this beer is. Um, it's got citrus, Simcoe and Mosaic in... Uh, that's all it says. What else is in here? Water, barley, gluten, oats, rye, wheat, hops, yeast. Wait, wait, wait. It doesn't tell me anything about exactly what those other things are. It has more gluten than rye? <laughs> ah, gluten's in bold as well. Yeah. Uh, just in case you'd like to know. It's 6%. Um, cool. Mm. Who is it from, sorry, again? Yes. Uh, this is from Wylam. Cool. Um... I didn't grab a second glass, and there's so much head on the... <laughs> I I hate to do this. I'm going to run and get a glass, because this glass is clearly tainted. Y- you pour it and, and comment, and I'll, I'll do it afterwards. 
Oh no, the pause is going to take me. You're just going to have to sit here and watch me pour. Um, <laughs> so uh, um, while Adele is away, um, it's something that I really want to trick you into telling me. Um, and I've been dying to pick your brains about the the story element of Cycle Twenty Eight. The people who would have heard of my previous um, ramblings about it on a previous episode will know that you've kind of got one side of the game which is the high score chasing um, a bit more sort of like momentum dogfighting kind of side and then you've got the the story uh, the mystery the mystery um, <laughs> that's good that's good can we use that you can use it <laughs> that's fine that's fine um, so so um, Tell me about it. No, I've already, I mean, I've already tweeted about this. I'm giving you as absolutely nothing in terms of, <laughs> in terms of hints. Uh, because, you know, really, because, not for my own benefit, but for your benefit. Because if I gave you something that, that led to you solving that mystery, you would be gutted. Um, wh- 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 you know? Which mystery, sorry? Which one of the general story? I went to grab a yeah. glass and Ben was going to talk about his beer. And then I came back less than 30 <laughs> was, seconds later. Was... And you guys are having substantive talk about... The story, which was the whole point of the beer break, was we could then segue to we've talked oh, about the gameplay boring. and then the Groundhog to, Day. But no, Ben else. jumped the gun. Yeah, Ben Ben couldn't handle the dead air. Um, That's it. Uh, so tell, so like, you talked about your beer, Ben? Oh, look at his face. Oh, dear. <laughs> um, no, let's just jump back to beers. Let's jump back did to you beers. not talk about your beer? We'll, we'll, let you, we'll let you compose yourselves and think of an answer that you can give <laughs> yeah. to us. And also tell me what the uh, question what? was. <laughs> exactly. I mean, I was unprofessional and didn't have a second glass, but I still don't know what's going on. Um, shall I talk about my beer, Ben? Yes, please. It's the from the White Hag, an Irish brewing company. It's the Brannan Solon Irish IPA. I said that last part wrong, but that's okay. Ah, uh, I've had this one, and I had no idea how to say that. Uh, they were the two wolfhounds of warrior Fionn Mac Cumhale. Born to his aunt after she was mm. magically transformed into, transformed into an Irish wolfhound by her husband's ex-lover. The story of these strong legends is as intense and complex as the flavors in this beer. Highly hopped, bitter, yet fresh and floral. Okay. Um, it is 7.2%. It's an Irish IPA. It doesn't tell me what the hops are. Um, let's get this straight. This warrior was born to his aunt after she was transformed into a wolfhound by her husband's ex-lover. How does that make her not his mother? <laughs> so wait, like, is the story that the that the mommy and daddy had their magic hug, there was a fetus, and somehow it was transposed to mummy or daddy's sister... After she turned into a dog, thus he was born as a human because there was some sort of weird operation of fetus transportation. Oh, I, because I have no idea. Or, 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 or like wait, I wait, diagrams. I get it. It was it was his mom and dad's egg and sperm <laughs> artificially inseminated in aunt post wolfhound transformation. Well, I think you're reading far too much into Celtic law here. How does? I, I don't just don't understand how someone's born the to their own. What they were talking about. Are you trying to suggest that the ancient Celts did not know the art of 
artificial insemination. No, you know, I'm suggesting that, uh, the ancient Celts appear not to know the exactly difference between saying, mother yes. and aunt. <laughs> yeah, that's 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 probably a more core issue for them as a culture that they didn't I, know. That I'm before. okay if the magic-y part doesn't make sense, but the general idea of my aunt and my mom being distinct definitional things. I teach logic for a living. One of the standard <laughs> examples is a bachelor is an unmarried gentleman. And you just can't get around that. It's just definitional. An aunt is your mother or fo- is your parent's sibling, not a parent. And even if she was a parent, it would be her, like, even if mom and dad, sorry, if a brother and sister had sex and had the thing, you would be born to your mom, not your aunt. Well, I'm, I'm glad we've cleared that up. I don't know about... I don't know anyway, um... <laughs> we'll tweet. We'll tweet the brewery and yeah. tell them. Yeah, uh, I do that. Yeah. So this is actually surprisingly similar straw-colored, um, infinitely less carbonated, still reasonably carbonated. No head, but there's still visible bubbles. Um, I'm getting. Uh, I'm getting tropical fruits right off the bat on the nose. A little, I'll, and by that I mean like a, a nice subdued sweetness. With those sort of tropical mm. perks, sort of a little bit of a little bit of tang, but mostly that sort of sweet. So somewhere between pineapple and mango. Okay. Not pineapple and mango. no. Oh, I cannot taste that seven point two percent at all. I can taste those hops though. It is a proper IPA. It's not like in your face bitter, but the. Start is reasonable, and then the medium finish, etc., is is just it's a nice hoppy, bittery taste. Um, it's not mm. like some of the IPAs we've had in the past six months, where it's like, I guess technically this is an IPA, but boy, does it not taste like an IPA. This is clearly an IPA. It's got that, in, it's got that hop. The hops are up front; they're not in your face, but they're it's up front. Um, the finish is. Not it's actually a good level of mouthfeel. Like it's 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 a little it's a little wet, but other than that, it's pretty good. Um, like yeah. it's 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 a reasonably long finish, but it's it's my mouth isn't dry. Um, I'm not compelled to grab another sip simply because of the dryness. I'm compelled because I'm curious on what tastes I can uh, sort of pull out of it. Mm, mm. That's fair. What That's... did you think of it? You said you had it. Oh, I can't remember. <laughs> I've had so many. I've had so many beers since then. This was weeks ago. Um, it has a bit of an odd something in the aftertaste is a little funny to me. Okay. I'm not sure what it is. Maybe it's the maybe it's the previous beer. Oh, that's tainting. quite true. Yeah, it could be. It could be a lingering ginger. Yeah. Um, mm, mm, something that's just left over from that. That some um, that, that just changes up that profile a little bit. Um, I'm going to move on to this future shock. So I didn't describe anything about it. I jumped the gun a little bit. <laughs> oh, I'm so disappointed. I'm like, why don't you describe the beer? I'll, I will just have to deal with not knowing what happened because I have to well, grab I this glass. And then you're like, how about I, I don't describe this beer and just yet. jump into substantive things? Yes, exactly that. Exactly. I'm going back to the beer. Um, I said this was a Future Shock Double Dry Hopped IDA. Uh, and instantly, I now know from my poor that it is... It's, quite clearly an india dark ale because it's it's almost i mean it's not quite black oh wow um but uh, the top of it is it's kind of 
uh, right on the edges of my glass. It's it's much more of a murky brown, and I wonder whether they've tried to make kind of that was my nickname, uh, like a Newcastle brown ale style beer. This has kind of got some nice chocolate flavours to it. It's kind of roasted. Um, the malts are coming through quite nicely uh, to to balance those two things out. You know, it's not there's, there's just hints of kind of of chocolate in there. It's not a, a, a chocolatey kind of taste as such, but there's just just backing up this kind of well balanced. Um, almost brown ale, dark ale kind of uh, profile. Um, very, very pleasant. Um, now you said it was roastedy, maltedy, but not chocolate. Does it have any sort of coffee tendency, or? Mm. Not really. No, no. It's definitely a slight, rather than kind of. A, it's definitely a darker kind of chocolate. It's a, it's a a little bitterness and a, a very slight hint of of sweetness. Mm. Um, or it's a kind of a, you know, it doesn't quite, you know, walk the line of that cold black coffee with a bit of sugar in. It is much more of a, a bitter kind of chocolatey sort of like, flavour like like to a it. Solid seventy six percent dark chocolate. Mm, yes, maybe more, we'll go more of like a fifty-four percent. That's not dark, dark chocolate. chocolate. That's barely anything. <laughs> um, enjoyable fine. though. Fine. Very yeah. nice. Yeah. Smooth. Very nice. Uh, very smooth. Not carbonated very much at all. Um, really easy drinking. And you said it was six. Six uh, percent. Yeah. But yeah, yeah, a bit too easy to drink for for six percent. Um, dangerous. As most of the beers we drink, uh, I think we're just getting accustomed to high alcohol beers and just how easy they are to now drink. But we won't talk about our problems. We'll, we'll move on. Um, so you asked a question about, while I was away. Talk about Dave and Sean's ask problems. Question again. I'll, I'll ask the question again. Spoilers for your game now. Um, <laughs> that was the uh, question. Oh, really? Okay, well, let's take a step back and, and, and again, assuming the viewers haven't yet purchased it... Um, Yes. So, Cycle 28 has a story. Yes. Uh, you, uh, the, the two of you kind of have not specific roles in development, but, y- you know, you, you play to your strengths, I suppose, is the best way to kind of put it. Mm-hmm. Um, and the the story element features quite... Uh, not heavily. It's not sort of integral to your enjoyment of the game, I suppose, but it is another facet to what you guys are trying to do. Um, I'm going to interject... Yeah quickly and say that I didn't actually notice the starting message was different until my like fourth or fifth playthrough because I was just used to I mean you've got a very like like Hotline Miami and other type uh, such games you've got a quite a quick die restart um, cycle mm-hmm. forgive the term mm-hmm. um, so it was really easy for me to be like oh I read that thing I read that thing and then it was like wait I didn't read that thing um, um, and so one of the things was trying to figure out when does it change. Um, but this grows into this comes out of your Groundhog Day sort of description of the game. So I'll let you guys mm-hmm. take it from here. Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> so yeah, it is. It is about kind of. Um, I suppose for us, the way that story is given to the player actually kind of came out of the. The concept of uh, wanting that repetitive loop gameplay feel of like one more try, one more try, one mm-hmm. more try, mm. um, and we wanted the players to. Um, we didn't want to break that. Basically, you know, we didn't want the, to stop. You know, there's no very minimal loading screen. There's no out to the menu. There's nothing like that. So we didn't want the story or the narrative to get in the way either. 
Yeah. Um, so uh, we anticipated, uh, I think, quite early on in development that players, some players would just completely ignore this element of the game. And, and that we were totally fine with that. You know, that's, that's entirely their choice. Um, and they would just fly off the screen straight away. And of course, the text kind of is, is lost quite quickly. Although it does sort of have a shadowy moment where it fades into the sky, uh, the yeah, stars, which I yeah. really enjoyed and didn't notice right away. I was like, wait, those are the uh, words. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And uh, yeah, we would. Uh, and, and again, that's partly so that the player can, even if they just flick the, the controller accidentally when they're trying to read, they have time to potentially uh, read through. So it wasn't instant as soon as you move. Um, the text disappears. Um, so we did think about how the players might come into the game, how they see the text, and then run after run after run, how they might feel about that text being the same, which, uh, you know, is, is fairly obvious after the first couple of runs. And then that change perhaps starts to clue you into the fact that you might not get told when you're going to be given some new mm -hmm. story. You know, it's, it doesn't flash up and say new story alert. Uh, you know, yeah, we, we deliberately wanted to create that moment you just described where you were like, oh, wait, I haven't read that text. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Is that surprise and yeah. Yeah, surprise and confusion? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Which <laughs> which does tie panic. Yeah. Panic. <laughs> which does tie into how confusing the story is, because, uh, you know, let's let's be honest. It's not a straightforward, uh, easy linear narrative to follow. Um, it is a bit of a head scratcher. Um, there are other bits of the story, I think it's fair to say, in the game that you don't find immediately. Mm -hmm. um, you mean you mean like the, like the pages of story text? Perhaps, the, yes. Maybe journal yes. entries? What pages of story? I don't know what he's talking about. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 I Once on I um, discovered journal entry type stuff, I was like, stopping playing the game. Oh, this is very interesting. And uh, I, I was, given that it seemed sort of a little Easter eggsy slash trying to discoverable. I wasn't sure, but I—I I mean, it. The picture of the core character, the protagonist that it paints, is very interesting, and I kind of wanted to ask, what made you pick that specific type of character? Um, mm -hmm. I'm asking this obliquely because if you want to leave things as a mystery, we, you can just not answer it. But if you do, um, that 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 would be super cool. Okay. No. Yeah. Um, so. We do, uh, as Ben alluded to, we, sh we do share a lot of the, the responsibilities here at Pillbug, but I think it's fair to say that Sean is the programmer and uh, I do a lot of the writing for the narrative. Um, so, But we, we made this choice very much together. You were like, I um, want to do less work, so I'll have a disjointed narrative. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's just the way I write anyway. I'm joking. So I, it's I very thought, fascinating thought be, what you've done. Um, just... But uh, yeah, I, th I think it's a really good question because um, I th and it, it did come out of that organic process of design between the two of us because it quickly, I think, became apparent to me that we weren't going to show you our protagonist. Mm -hmm. okay? mm. So so in the game, there's no there's no like picture of her. There's no um, uh, you don't see it, see her in a cutscene or anything like that. Um, so yeah, all the scenes I, are literally cut. Yeah, yeah, that's it. That's yeah, that's the extreme cutscene approach. Um, so it was um, what that did for me was remove this idea that uh, it would be a kind of we a traditional pilot that was beautiful, whatever gender it was that she would you know if it's female that you know she would have that flight suit look with you know the ample bosom and the 
amazing figure and flowing blonde hair. Uh, or if it was a guy, he'd be totally ripped and, you know, and... Uh, Ample packs, kind of, flowing yeah, blonde hair. You're not going for the Battlestar Galactica style the, of uh, well, protagonist. No, well, no. I mean, I think they're interesting because, you know, that, yes, there are some attractive people on that show. Oh, he's talking about um, the original. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> God, I'd have to think back. Were there's a tra- There must have been no, a but there was definitely time. flowing feathered hair, and then that's yeah, all. exactly. Um, so wh- when you kind of kind of moved away from that for me as a as a storyteller, I was really that was re- really exciting to have a protagonist that was um, kind of a middle aged mother who was a very experienced pilot, really good at a job, but. Um, had an older child and was kind of um, dealing with the the issues of being away from that older child who was also slightly self-sufficient and had and a ripped, long apparently. relationship with her. Yeah. Um, so, it, you know, it's it, it kind of... It kind of <laughs> sorry, images. Uh, it kind of meant that we I could, as a storyteller, uh, and we as a development team could explore some kind of character space that... Um, I think it's fair to say isn't that utilized in in games as much totally um, i mean that, that's why i wanted to ask the question i just didn't want to broach mm-hmm. it if you wanted to keep more secret but um uh also in the way that i in the order in which i read the said journal entries it i l- really enjoyed how it wasn't entirely clear right away what like i kind of had to read all of them to f- get that a uh, picture of like the class of person she is because mm-hmm. um, mm-hmm. you sort of don't, you you sort of each sort of set of three two to four pages was like oh this is give me some facts and those facts are consistent with this entry but it's not really it's not like Captain Exposition at all mm-hmm. but once I read you know however many that I found um, it was like oh I have a reasonable picture of who this person is and and what sort of some significant landmark events that have happened leading up to her in cycle 27 where we started the game mm-hmm. and that's fantastic that's exactly i think what uh we we really wanted yeah. from mm-hmm. from from those journal entries definitely mm-hmm. as, as a storyteller um uh, you know, I'd, I'd be interested. You know, I talk a lot, but I'd be interested in 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 hearing what kind of how that process was for you, uh, Sean. Um, well, I, I think we we talked about like, well, like kind of how we met and um, how you got involved in Pilgog was that I had a game where there was some like orange ships shooting blue ships shooting orange ships, but no reason why, mm. and so that's where you came. <laughs> Racism, in. colorism. Um, <laughs> yeah, it was colorism. Yeah, it was pure simple. Yeah, um, and so, like in a way, like that whole part of the game is like so, this doesn't like. I hope this doesn't make it sound less less important, but it's like seasoning. It's like it's like the, the game was a bland shooter, and then as soon as you add that story, you add that sense of mystery. I feel like that's like salt and pepper. And, and it's, oh, that's it's, super interesting yeah. because you described the dual drone mode as spicy boy. And now you're saying yeah. that the narrative is also an addition of spices. Yeah. So actually, yeah. you are the spicy boys. boys. Yeah. Oh dear! Oh dear! Well, yes. no, I guess yes. if you, I think spicy boy might mean sort of more exotic spices than mere salt <laughs> and pepper narrative. <laughs> um, that is a really interesting way, and it also speaks to like what you said previously, which was some people will just pick this up and play said game said mm-hmm. pre-narrative game it's just 
want to play the game, learn the mechanics, and get on the leaderboard or whatever. Um, I really like the way the narrative is. I mean, I've again, I've only played like an hour or so. The narrative is sort of spooled out in these weird chunks, and I have no idea. And it wasn't until you know a number of runs later that I went back to the main menu and found more things out. Um, and that made me more. It has made me more invested in trying to figure things out. Not to the point of writing down script, you know, lines of random symbols, but uh, <laughs> I, I can't say that I didn't think maybe I should write this down. Uh, so I actually, um, before we go back to you guys, I'm actually I still have yeah. That here. I was going to ask. <laughs> I wanted to move to Ben, who's played much more of the game, um, and given that we're talking about not only the the cyclical Groundhog Day nature, but also this idea of the puzzle of the narrative. And you obviously haven't figured it all out, because if I understand, no one has in some way that you can track what, whether someone has. Um, yeah. I, I, just from my kind of, from a, a user's sort of point of view, um, it's it's very interesting jumping into the kind of like the Discord channel and seeing the different ideas oh, you, people you have. you have joined the community uh, that way, I didn't realize Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, I, I've I've jumped in and kind of said this is what I think, and just been completely not. But <laughs> a lot of other thing, a lot of other people get that kind of thing as well. It's it's, I suppose it's the nature of kind of communities. It's kind of dominated by a few voices. Um, wheels, but it's kind of one of those that you know people are coming together to kind of chat about it, to share their ideas, and to kind of try and figure out part of this 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 puzzle um that's going on um that you're you're given small kind of clues to through either sort of like uh, the narrative or, or whilst kind of um not whilst you're playing as such but but from some of the text and stuff um and in, and in other places as well um it's it's kind of like this interesting take that it's um uh, like it's like the next step up almost for a narrative. It's kind of like a game on top of a game almost. Um, and there's almost this kind of sense of this, um, uh, almost like an ARG kind of thing where you might have to look at other sources or, or other inputs and things like that. And, and by kind of coming together as a, yeah, by coming together as a community, you might get there a bit quicker, but not in this case. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, <clears throat> I'm going to jump in there and say immediately that Ben has been very, uh, a really important voice in the community. I don't think it's been, it's interesting that you've got the perception. Yeah, me. Ignored. I'm the I'm the um, I'm the voice that everyone well, should be listening to. No, no. I think I think it's uh, <laughs> I think you've pushed things in important directions for that for that Discord channel. So that's aha. That's not a hint. A lot of people have pushed things in important directions. Yes, in that, yes. Uh, oh, Ben, but you're what, important. Been, Just as important yeah. as a lot of other people. And a lot of other Hooray. people, yeah. Everyone's important. Um, You're no, but, a snowflake, uh, Ben. <laughs> what what amazed me, and I think I come back to this a couple of times, um, is uh, we have one user, uh, one player who's who's according, you know, has written us a Steam review, which is fantastic. And what that means is that I can quite often see how many hours he's played in in Cycle Twenty Eight. Mm. Obviously, Steam has that function, and this guy's clocked over forty hours in wow, the game. Wow. Um, with and 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 not really hit the leaderboard at all, as far as I can see. 
um, because he is only, or he or she is only interested in the story, solving the mystery. Yeah, Yeah. and they put together. I don't know if you saw this, Ben, in the Discord. They put together an open Google Docs of all the story they found that and transcribed that um, for the community to use. Um, and, you know, it's just really jumped on this idea of, um, you know, this is what the game is for this this player. And, you know, maybe they've shot a ship once or twice, <laughs> but, you know, uh, uh, yeah. only to find out if that's how you solve the mystery, I think. Is, mm. Yeah, yeah, it's, 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 it's what's been going on. So it's, it's stuff like that that's just been absolutely fascinating for us to kind of fly on the wall, watch and, and see how the community is, is, is handling it. Yeah, yeah. Did you guys always have the the sense of wanting this to be like a little bit more uh, of wanting kind of the the narrative to be a little bit more expanded than just a straight up story, you know, within the game? Yeah, I mean, I think that's kind of our our calling card as a studio. Mm. So um, that was that that was a big part of intelligent design. In fact, I, I would like intelligent design the 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 thing that you see as of a a, um, a management game. That isn't the real game. Like that's a sandbox. That's like a a, a a kind of almost a toy. And loads of people love that. And people will almost like meditate to it. Just like play it and relax and watch it. Mm. There's a game inside there, which I didn't tell anyone about until it launched on Steam. And then people started finding it. And that was a similar kind of thing to this, where there was a mystery. And it took I think three months, three or four months, um, for someone to to solve that. Um, yeah, so, so we're still on track for Cycle Twenty. Yeah, so we're still, like, yeah. this is not yeah. taking too long as far as we're concerned. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, and and that's that. I think I suppose one of the differences is that we we owned the mystery a little bit more upfront in our marketing material and the yeah, way we right. pitch the game to players, but also other places as well. That you know there is a mystery here to be solved in intelligent design. People didn't realise that for quite a while. Right. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, uh, I think that's just they are different games but we, we enjoyed the different ways of handling that I don't know if the next game I, I guess if people start to realise that is something we consider our I, it, that's game. something I've been thinking about is whether or not that could easily become a a, a, a kind of chain like, <laughs> like we, we almost like want to we don't want to have to constrain ourselves to always do that but I kind of love the idea mm, of always um, doing that here's yeah. a question I love yeah um if you release intelligent design on uh, other platforms, would you consider adding to changing that meta game or internal game to sort of give it some spice to to continue using the word um, for the new players who could if they if they just googled it, you know, intelligent design PC, they'd be like, oh, this is the thing. Hmm. That's so, a really good question. Yeah, do you mean Psycho 28? Uh, or, either or, or I guess. I was thinking intelligent yeah, design because so. the answer is already out there. I mean, there's a potential... Yeah, um, that's a good point. Po- there's a potential possible world where um, by the time you release Cycle 28 somewhere else, you know, it's not a widely known yeah. solution, in which case, why would you add another thing? But you were talking yeah. about revisiting intelligent design. You were talking about new platforms. I just thought that that would be a thing you could do was add a new sort of landmark yeah. mini-game, yeah. meta-game to get some buzz on the new platform such that it's like, mm-hmm. this is the base game, same, but whatever the internal thing is that people found fascinating is different on this one, so get it on the Switch or whatever. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's something we have, we've, we've actually talked about that yeah. with, with the new platforms. Um, 
the issue is the length of time it takes to design those kind right. of mm. those those like to make it really fleshed out takes a long time uh, yeah. to do it, and and that would be the balancing act there. Mm-hmm. Right. Is, is how do we balance like? I think we what, do that? <clears throat> what what I would think would be as a as a happy medium would be um, the in a in a way the systems that got players to the solution in intelligent design might stay fairly similar right but some of the things that they have to do yeah but the but the but the um the it's kind of hard to say but the the actual content of those moments and the way you solve them perhaps might 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 be different because i think coming up with a brand new right so you're preventing uh, people from doing the walkthrough move but not having to tax yourselves entirely on something new which ostensibly is a different game to a strong sense yeah just just make a new game right yeah 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 i mean that that's it too and and actually i think i think because we're an indie game because of, of 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 what the stakes are as it were for solving these mysteries the the kind of players who will really want to do this won't Google many right, steps. Yeah, they might yeah. one or two maybe, but they want that challenge of the puzzle, right? Like, and I know that's perhaps uh, looking at users in a certain way that um, you know your ideal user kind of syndrome, which is dangerous in development. But um, I think it, it it is kind of a truism. I think if you're into puzzles and you pick the game up because of this ARG element. You know, I I was I wasn't being flippant when I said to Ben that if I gave a hint here, you'd be you'd be cr- you'd be gutted by that. It would yeah. it would it would ruin it. Um, it, it. It would. I I completely agree. It's it's kind of one of the reasons why I really enjoyed the like the witness so much and just stayed away from any kind of walkthrough or looking at how puzzles were solved and things because I wanted to experience solving those puzzles for myself. I wanted to understand what was going on and, and know that I could work that out. Uh, and it's the challenge of kind of, uh, I suppose, being being able to, um, you know, to be able to work something out or to, to tax your brain in, in that kind of way more so than just kind of like a straight narrative or, or just you know standard gameplay would kind of give you if you're jumping to youtube or forums and things like that to just look at the puzzles and the solutions why bother playing the game mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. i suppose so you tell but, me you didn't even look up the sound puzzles on um on, on the, the witness. witness no i didn't i didn't wow. bird, <laughs> telephone mm-hmm. i'm impressed it's hard. It was those ones. That was that was definitely the hardest part of the yeah. witness. I think. I think the the walkthrough mm. moment is when you're really enjoying a game and you've hit the wall and you're like, you've left it once, maybe twice, and come back and you still haven't made progress and you're like, <sighs> and you're, you're like that audible strong sigh tells you. The reason why this eye exists is because I'm invested and want to go further, but I'm fucking stuck. And I'm not against yeah, people and- using walkthroughs. Uh, and in fact, use it for every step if you want, if that gives you gratification. But I think that's a good, mm-hmm. reasonable sort of litmus test for, I don't want to walk away from this game, but I don't know what to do, and I've given it enough thought. I've, I've heaved the medium yeah. to medium large sigh. <laughs> if I get to the so large sigh... To- I'm done walking away forever, regardless of if I read a walkthrough. You need to catch the medium to medium large sigh. Um, which is what Raphael right uses. Is so hard. Is the medium to medium large <laughs> oh, sigh. 
Oh dear. Let Sean's <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, getting that balance right is so hard, and especially with the, with something like the mystery, like we can't test that. Nah. Yeah. We we can't like. We, in fact, it wasn't in the game when our beta testers would put, right. were, were, were testing it. And but, and mm. so like knowing that we've got that right, that it's not frustrating. Um, well, I mean, I don't know. Maybe we haven't. Maybe yeah, because, we, I mean, like the Discord channel, you know, I don't know if, uh, you know, if people are stepping away. We don't we don't really know right. if people are breathing that big, big sigh and saying, right, I'm done with this. Um, maybe they are. I, I mean, know, I think there's I, we, a testament that, you, that at least people aren't there yet if you have a user who spent 40 hours and barely done any of the yeah. gameplay. Like, it seems like... Yeah. At the very least, you, your your tantalization level is correct. <laughs> Whether the fruitfulness <laughs> yeah. of the outcome, well, that's a different story. Uh, I, and, and that's going to be fascinating when someone does solve it, and uh, you know, we give the prize that we get a gift. Well, there's a prize. How they? Yeah. So, um, sorry, that wasn't just a plug. That was a natural. Yeah, yeah. No, but, no. I just, um, I, I literally tried to go into this blind. I wanted to. Play a couple hours before this uh, the interview and and see how what came out um, and I haven't looked at any um, anything else. Um, no, sorry, what's the no, prize? So the prize is uh, for the so what 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 the person the winner has to do is they have to email Pillbug and tell us how they solved the puzzle and also nominate um, some members of the community. I think it's up to five. We said, yeah, uh, who helped them the most? Okay. The winner who does send that email gets uh, a Pillbug Golden Ticket, which is every game we've made previously, well, at the moment, just in terms of design, but also every game we make in the future for free. But the Golden Ticket in Charlie and the Chocolate Factory was a tour of the Chocolate Factory. Yeah, we did consider touring Sean's, Sean's office and my attic office, but uh, we thought... We could just rotate this webcam around this half the tour. Yeah, exactly. There you go. Yeah. That would be... A That's very... it. Not even a tour, just a Skype yeah. tour. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, I mean, maybe maybe, maybe they will throw in a, a lunch with me and Sean or something. I don't that's, know. That's actually quite good. You mean saying, like, pay your own way to me, but I'll have lunch with you is reasonable. I don't yeah, mean to yeah, say yeah, that no, whatever you have like the golden ticket's a fantastic prize i'm not trying to diminish it i just was being very pedantic on what the golden ticket represented because that is what i am at heart is a pedant yeah uh, what it why we really chose it is because there's a lot of great golden ticket gifts that's mm. the only reason we ended up choosing yep. that so that we could every now and again poke the community right. with a, a suitable gift um, and um, is there I, mean, I don't know if this is measurable but have you does it feel like when you when you guys sort of come from above and give them a poke that like there's a resurgence of interest or is this non trackable? It's fine if you have no idea. I'm just curious if you do. No, they get they get really annoyed when you give them a poke. You know, they're like, we're we're on it. We're working on it. Leave us alone. Uh, so <laughs> excellent. Yeah, I do like doing it every now and again. Um. And I, I suppose you guys have taken almost a uh, not a half step, but it's it's kind of the midpoint between people you know going in blindly and having absolutely no information versus going to a walkthrough you've got this community that you can go to to ask questions and to discuss with uh, rather than getting the, the the kind of the answer up front uh, i guess at least until it is solved and it becomes kind of like public knowledge that it's yeah. it's, it's kind of been solved sort of thing but i guess for a lot of people once that that it's been solved and that golden ticket has been given it's it's interesting to to try and solve that, but 
you've got a, a, the game in itself to just play that you know as you say there's maybe users who just play that side there's users that just play kind of like the story side or just want to figure out what the kind of the mystery is so do you guys think that maybe in the next kind of game you will be looking at kind of stepping this up a little bit um, you know, it seems quite intense now that, that maybe you've kind of got this ARG going, that you've got to go to other sources and you've kind of got to get involved with the community and stuff. Uh, but do you kind of see that going anywhere else? Or is this kind of the, you know, the set formula for kind of what you guys are going to do? That's a really interesting <laughs> yeah. question. A hard, yeah, hard no, question really to kind of say, point. how are you going yeah. to progress for at yeah. least the next 25 years? Yeah. Uh, ben is asking well, for I'm at least your five-year business plan. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Um, do we have one of those? <laughs> We're going to make a battle royale game and then yeah, right, lots of money. Yeah, and and yeah, we'll we'll be skyping in from our yacht next time. Uh, um, no, yes. uh, oh, I, I have one. What are what is the loot box? Why 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 are, can we get hints in loot boxes? Loot boxes. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, that that might that was, be it. Yeah, hints in loot we, boxes. Hang on, wait, we've got, so we've got one, person, one player saying they want loot boxes. We can write that down. Yeah. That's, uh, Sorry, that's I, I interrupted your legitimate answer yeah, for my, my shit ans- uh, question. <laughs> um, continue uh, with your real answer. I think, I think I've got one thing. Do you have any ideas about where we're going next with the complexities and the levels um, and the I, I So uh, around something slightly similar I've been thinking about is I think we can do this kind of thing on Discord on its own. So in between games, have things on Discord that are like Ooh. puzzles for the oh, games, wow. like, like that. that that kind of thing. Yeah. There's a lot you can do with Discord. I kind of want to experiment with, and so yeah, okay, that's that... that's idea one. Interesting, that's really cool. Okay, my that's idea is my idea is less cool, but I like the idea that uh, <laughs> our games start talking to each other. Um, oh, yes, yeah, it's mm. like a, an intertextuality between. Uh, the games and I like the idea that this podcast is the first clue to that. <laughs> yes. I do as well. Ooh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Nice. Drive our traffic up at yeah. least. Thanks. Yeah, yeah. We're um, yeah. We're yeah. Every it's third word they say is a clue. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we've we've tried to be pretty tricky with how we we organise this. It has to be to challenge a, a sure. user group that big um, uh, and that you know intensive in some respects that dedicated. Yeah. Um, so and intelligent. Let's let's, let's not forget yeah. that. Um, so yeah, we've been we've been as tricksy as we can be, and I think that will continue to grow as with our other development skills. Really, get mm. get tricksy. Mm. Yeah, mm. nice, nice. It's kind of it's nice to to kind of have that overall feeling. Almost maybe not um, maybe not quite as far as Housemark take it, where everything is kind of like a shared universe. They've always got the same. Um, voice actress who is kind of like the the, the voice of god almost in, in most of their games um but having something that kind of ties everything you do together is 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 kind of like a nice thing that might push people again back to previous titles as well yeah. you, you, uh, especially if you know one of the one of the next games kind of does rely on you going back the expanded to other expanded clueiverse ah <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's very good that is very good oh terrible name for a game but a good uh, oh it's it, a good it's system just a sci-fi setting for cluedo <laughs> yes yeah very good um good nice uh that's a lovely little chat about kind of you guys and cycle 28 and stuff i think maybe to finish it would be nice to um 
just have a little bit from each of you on kind of like how you've got here you know the the, the titles the games and the, all the systems that have kind of made you uh, and kind of brought you to this point almost like uh, I'll let you guys look at each other and decide who wants to start with that yeah, I'm going to start um, yeah I don't know but I'm gonna. I'm not going to go right back to childhood because there was a point actually it's more the last like I've always played games but it's only really the last like five or six years well, I've got no ten last <laughs> ten, ten years or so where I've really started to to like want to get involved in games as like an art I guess mm-hmm. and, and actually want to create games and I I, always, I remember saying to a friend like if I was like last year I think if I was like 12 last year I would have gone into game development mm-hmm. like if I think of some of the games that came out like Zelda Breath of the Wild or maybe even the year before like, if I was a kid the last couple of years with The Witness um, Zelda mm-hmm. Breath of the Wild um, Metal Gear Solid 5 like um, even like some films like I can't remember that off the top of my head but or like Mad Max oh, okay yes. so the Fury, Fury Road yeah. like that like th- these things where they have really made me appreciate like that side of the world like I'm a scientist I do I, I'm, I'm like a computer scientist and I do sciencey research and all this kind of stuff <laughs> but more and more I'm like I'm really interested in, in, in the creative side of things and that's where I want to go um, yeah but is, is that kind of... Um, so, I don't know, that was really... That, so so I, you mentioned um, a, a, a momentum from the past five or six to ten years. Um, yeah. Can I ask, Was is there like a, a moment where in your video gaming history where it was like, this game at this point made me realize this was more than just like pastime? Because you seem, to, I think you it, seem to be indicating like there was a threshold moment in the past ten years. There was like, no, this is what I want to do, and I'm just curious. Um, before the, this is what I want to do. There must have been a moment of like, this is a thing. Yeah. I I think actually right, it was Bioshock. Okay, mm. it was Bioshock because I remember I was a teacher back then, so I, I was a science teacher for a while. And it was like the summer or Easter and I bought Bioshock. And it was the first time I was like the first kind of year out of uni where I had money. Mm. So I, I could afford like games and I was able to buy games when they were released. Which is, you know, what and, a um, nonsense concept. Yeah. <laughs> so um, I'm going to like spoilers for Bioshock. Okay. Um, is that okay? <laughs> and, That's fine. Yeah. Um, so I remember pl- like I remember playing Bioshock for a bit. And I think I'd got... I can't remember exactly where I'd got into the game. And, and I wanted to walk... I was going to walk and get something from town for whatever reason. And I was walking down. And I remember thinking, why am I doing everything that this guy is telling me to do? This doesn't make any sense. Why? Why? Like, what if I just didn't do it? Or, and, mm-hmm. and, that, and then I came back. And an hour later came the reveal that you're, you've been, like, brainwashed. Or it was like, if he, he says, would you kindly, you'll do whatever. And I remember thinking... Someone got in my head. They made me think that. Somehow they made me think <laughs> right. what I was meant to think. And that fascinated me. And and I think yeah. that is what fascinates me about like narrative and about games. And like The Witness is another great example where it really, for me, I have been meditating because of The Witness. Hmm. So like The Witness is about meditating, actually. Is it when you actually... And you look at the, the sound design in The Witness is incredible. Mm. Like you, you can... 
just the choice. Every choice was made for a reason. It wasn't just a random. I'm going to pick like some wind sounds. Like they they are the sounds that you would that would help you get into a meditative mm. state. So all you care about is this one puzzle. Mm. And like I remember playing that with piles of graph paper, like next to me, and going to work. And all I could think about was this shadow puzzle that I've been working on for a week, mm. and I couldn't figure out. Um, and I think that's when I wanted. I knew I had to make these things um, before we like move on uh, you just you brought up sound design and uh i thought even though we're in the middle of a question i thought we would segue to briefly um sidebar if you will uh talk about the sound design and the score of of cycle 28 because i i really enjoy what i've heard and i'm just curious where that comes from whether you have a composer um, on hand um how much thought you put into it whether it's just a coincidence, mm. I just really enjoy it and think it matches the pace. You know, you know the the ideas of what the sound design came because it's all. People often comment as asides. Oh yeah, the game has good like a good scoring, but it, to get a glimpse from the developer point of view of what it takes to sort of mm-hmm. figure out what that means for your game. So it, it's interesting that we talk about that after talking about the witness, <laughs> because it is that sound design idea came from the witness. Um, there is a part in the witness where there is one. Oh, man, again, potential. It's not fine. really it's, spoilers it's for the. Okay. It's fine, Jesus. That's like <laughs> I, mean, I haven't I, even started it. A while, but by the time I actually okay. start it and get to whatever point you're describing, yeah. I won't remember the fuck you said. There is a part. <laughs> I'm the there, measure there a, of all like, spoilers. <laughs> yeah, that's the important thing. <laughs> there is a part in the witness where there is music. Okay, there is one part in the witness where there's music, and that music represents a timer. And you know, at the end of that timer, like that you, you know, that's the end of the timer. And and it's one piece of music that changes all the way through it, and it builds, and it creates this amazing tension to the point where it's the first time I've ever thrown like I, I had to stop playing. <laughs> like there are times where I had to literally put the controller down and sit for a while and then pick it up again. And that we were just kind of coming along this idea of the Groundhog Day. And I thought about that idea of the witness and then we were kind of talking and, and, and we kind of thought, what if we just limited it to six minutes? Mm-hmm. And like suddenly that changed it more into a rally game because then you have six minutes to get a high score. It, mm. That changes it from every other, like every other game I can think of where you have unlimited right. time to get a high score. So then the net, that then said, right, we need a piece of music where at every point in the music you know where you are in that time period. Hmm. So if you notice the the one the track doesn't repeat. It's all like uh, it has repeating elements, but it doesn't. You know exactly where you are by how you hear the sound. That's super interesting. Yeah. I hadn't so, picked up on that. I mean, it makes sense. Yeah, yeah. that you and have the so, set time frame. Yeah, a lot of <clears throat> because and, and part of one of the gameplay elements that that adds is that you know obviously the timer is is ticking down at the top, but it's not the biggest part of the screen. It's not where really where your focus is. So. You know, the people who have played Cycle 28 um, for, for quite some time will be listening for those audio cues far more than they'll be looking at that small visual. That's super interesting. You start looking at the visual. Yeah. And then you start clocking into the game's music. Um, I've definitely had a we were, low, low scoring run where I'm like, because, you know, I find out that there's at somewhere between 15 and 16 hour 1600 hours counting down 24 splice one i don't think that's been a spoiler so it's like oh if i just don't fuck with people i can get to this point and i can try and understand what this 
part of the stage means. Um, so I've had a couple moments where it's like literally sub 500 score getting to that point. Because I'm just like, I don't like, I don't get what spawns here. I'm trying to figure this out, but I hadn't quite picked up on the sound cues that apparently mirror mm-hmm. that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they do. Um, Which makes sense because that's uh, another yeah. organic way of learning the time is. Mm-hmm. This other cue that this other way of monitoring progress, which is set, but not one of the standard mm-hmm. things, right? We're very visually oriented, mm-hmm. so of course we don't notice the sound is always the same. That that makes me more intrigued. Because um, mm-hmm. part of me was like, how long can I survive with just avoiding things? Because I'm not doing well at this shooting things part. <laughs> Uh, but we need to mention Jordan. Yeah, yes. uh, sorry, I that was. I mean, so, yes. so the this, the the composer um, is a fantastic composer, local to Cardiff, um, who actually got in contact with Sean. Yeah. Um, and uh, what do you want to? Well, he he just saw Intelligent Design and sent me an email out of the blue saying, um, "Yeah, I kind of like Intelligent Design. Do you want me to score your next game?" Oh, cool. And. And we, wow. we, yeah, it was it was amazing, and it, and it was kind of one of those examples, I suppose, where you you hear people who just send an email, yeah. you know, and just say, you know, I can do this. Would would you be interested? And you know, okay, nine times out of ten, it might go nowhere, but you know, in this case, we 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 came out with uh, what eight minutes, six for the in game, and and uh, a couple of other minutes around the game, um, a phenomenal music Mm -hmm. that was just so right for the game and we showed him some prototypes so he knew what he was um having to write to but we were just blown away by what we got back we we actually designed the game around the music not the other way around really at one stage so we got the music and then we the the build of those enemies is designed to fit the music that's super interesting and Mm. super cool um Yeah, and so we, we 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 were just. I mean, it was so it was just good fortune. It was so lucky that 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 fell into place. But we were um, just um, yeah blown away by that. Yeah. yeah. Uh, one of the examples of where you guys have maybe uh, you know realised, I guess, your limitations, and you know that you you need sort of somebody else to kind of come in as well to be able to provide something extra that then, whilst maybe not part of your kind of your team, that influences you. Uh, you know quite significantly mm-hmm. to to change up sort of like what's going on uh, it, it's kind of nice to you know to see you guys kind of do that rather than just be like hey this is the game uh, this is this is exactly what i want it to be it, it's it's cool to kind of know that there is those iterations that there is that experimentation the, the evolution of of exactly what you're doing so mm-hmm. yeah very cool. Yeah. Very awesome. cool. Now, now we'll switch back and, and ask the the formative gaming question Again, formative game question. Um, okay, for for me, uh, as Ben will know, because we we did kind of uh, go through the stage in life together a little bit. Um, <clears throat> I was a complete MMO addict. Like I was dangerously so at various points in my life. Um, so okay, before you go on, uh, I want you to uh, say your favorite MMO and then your first MMO, and then you can continue your story. Okay, favorite MMO. Uh, <laughs> you know, it, I mean, that's a really tough. Uh, I spent the most. I, I suppose actually, I sp- uh, probably EverQuest, the original, it, it is my favorite MMO for for lots and lots of different reasons. 
I still probably have spent most time in my life in WoW. Okay. Um, but Ever EverQuest was when I just lost myself in this other world, in this other community, in a way of, and I wasn't even really. I, you know, I, when WoW, I got to do a lot more end-game content. I was raiding three nights a week. I was PvPing and, and doing things like that. When 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 I was playing EverQuest, I was too young uh, and new to it to really understand that that was even a thing. I just loved, uh, you know, lots of different kind of game moments um, in EverQuest um, of, 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 of the mainstream content, I suppose, and the normal content. But my first MMO was Ultima Online, um, and uh, that 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 got me hooked from the start, really. And that was back on dial-up, um, which was super frustrating. <laughs> uh, you know, you had to plan for that. My dial-up used to cut out every. I think it was one hour fifty-five minutes. Oh wow! It wasn't quite. It wasn't quite two hours, so you couldn't exactly set your timer on it. But it was pretty much every like one hour fifty-five minutes, so you had to plan around that cutting out um and uh, of course you know this was before my parents really understood that i can't just pause this game yeah i can't you know <laughs> i know parents are still struggling with this concept but uh that was way 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 back before this was really a thing so um yeah that's 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 kind of my gaming um background which is is a weird thing to kind of own really for an indie uh, i felt like at times i felt that's kind of uh, and an interesting kind of background to come to uh, this 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 thing with, um, so I've had to kind of play catch up a lot with games and gaming um, and where it's come because I was just lost down that MMO well, you know. Yeah, missed a lot of sort of like big releases um, that everyone's kind of like talking about because MMO gaming is it's not niche, but it it sort of is, you know. Uh, not everyone plays MMOs, and I think a lot of people that do get really into and, and them. And then that's you kind just, of like the games that you, they want to play. You literally don't have the time to play other games. Yeah. And it's no. not because, regardless, even if you are unemployed, you still won't have the time to play other games because the nature of MMOs are this all-consuming sort of, if mm -hmm. I'm gaming, why wouldn't I be gaming on Game Game? Which is yeah. my upcoming MMO it's, title. It's, it's, <laughs> it's one of those um it's one of those moments in my kind of my 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 life where I, I i just wasn't in tune with with like you know like gaming media or all of the big titles that were coming out is you know when we were living together and we were just mm -hmm. playing world of warcraft three nights well i say three nights a week five nights a week and raiding three nights mm -hmm. a week mm -hmm. and just that was what we were doing we we you know we had pcs we, there were no consoles in the house, so, mm -hmm. and we, you know, we previously played MMOs together and stuff anyway. So it kind of, it was like an easy fit that even though you kind of, you play a little bit of an MMO, you might jump back into playing a few big titles for a year, and then another MMO grabs you for a little while, and then just yeah. holds I played, you for years. <laughs> I and played years. A, a fuck ton of FF11, and then WoW came out, mm -hmm. and I beta tested that, and then ended up playing it for almost a year after release, and then revisited it twice since because it. I was hoping to scratch that itch that just never has been scratched the same as my first MMO. Mm. It's a bit like. Um, mm -hmm. It is a bit dark, but um, uh, apparently. Um, one of the things that serial killers do is the, the, the first kill 
is the most satisfying. They always ch- all the subsequent ones never are as good, and so the, one of the reasons why they continue to kill is they're chasing that initial high that will never be the same because of the novelty and the newness of that feeling. Um, I also may have watched too much Criminal Minds and Hannibal in my day. Uh, but, but, but like, I, I do think there's something special about your first MMO, which is why I asked that question, because mm-hmm. something about that persistence of world and the interaction with people, especially if you played those more nascent MMOs where the world was much more open versus like, mm-hmm. nope, this is the treadmill, you're going to play these quests and now play these rating yeah. things. Those, 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 that first sort of, first and even second wave of MMOs just offered something different and so, it's it's just you can't recapture that because some of that is just the fact that these games will have the same mechanics and they're no longer novel and so of course you're used to this and of course at some point even if i can strafe around someone i'm still basically hitting one four six five on my keyboard because that's my shortcut for the win strategy for this character against that character but when you first played, all of that was new, and this, even the idea that you could have a set strategy was new, and, you know, turns out I could just take a life, and that's com- crazy <laughs> in, in, in the macabre I, analogy. I, I mean, I remember the first time it became apparent that, like, players were taking turns in-game to do something, yeah, and, and there was, like, a set order, and it's like, wow, so it's not just... <laughs> I get to come in here. It and was yeah, wow. Right. No, 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 it wasn't. It wasn't wow. Well. Well, actually, it was. It was an ultimate. Like, I was like, you will. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You used to take. T- you know, you used to take turns. Kill. You know, that spawns. You know, num- is mine, and then yours. The next spawn is yours, and and so on and so forth. Because there's six of us in this room, and you know, it's the only way we yeah. can. We, we were queuing. It was like being British online. <laughs> uh, well, like the idea of an off tank was... is, is something that's sort of not. I mean, at least on those earlier MMOs, is not built into the rock, paper, scissors. No. It was just like, uh-huh. oh, if things go poorly, wouldn't it be great if this person who's a little tough but not tank tough can take some of the heat off until it can be like like that role was organically figured out as a reasonable mm-hmm. standard thing based on how people interacted. Mm-hmm. It, it seems quite different from like this like tank healer DPS development role so it's like oh yes but you should also do this extra thing because it makes our lives easier that's the thing that mm-hmm. grew out of just people realizing it was a good thing yeah i i think the whole development and the evolution of the mma genre I, obviously i'm invested or was i just i do find it absolutely fascinating on on many different gaming levels but social levels cultural yeah. levels all those kinds of things as well um, but I mean, I imagine I'm happy to come and have a chat about it Excellent. on a separate podcast. But, <laughs> but uh, yeah, so that that's all I have to offer to this, which is super weird for us as Pilberg because obviously we're never ever going to make an MMO. Probably not. No. Yeah, and, and for good, for all very very good reasons. But so I've had to do a lot of a lot. Well, of but I mean, up, I think community well, engagement. M- and, MMOs are MMOs sorry. are dead anyway. It's all battle royale. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to say uh, the 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 fact that you are you have a vibrant community and an ARG element suggests that you've taken some learnings from MMOs because mm-hmm. it's about being social and about people working together towards a common goal, um, but also giving a carrot such that it's not easy for them to just get the end game, right? In this, in a in a certain sense, your ARG slash narrative is like the rating part of mm-hmm. um, 
of cycle 28 because you just you you have to keep doing it in order to get the more clues i mean it's not like yeah we, we literally made an end game yeah that, i mean that's a fascinating way why have we never thought of that before that's, <laughs> that's absolutely a great way of, of thinking about it definitely yeah done a shmup with an end game yeah yeah yeah, yeah. it's a new marketing strategy I love it. That's a new elevator pitch. Yeah, so that's to be able that, to play on the excellent. toilet. That's becoming a, a blog post next week. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you very much. You you will be awesome. As a that works for me. Either way, <laughs> don't bother quoting me, but right. refer to the episode. That's fine. <laughs> Good. Um, Adol, have you got any final questions before we wrap um, up? Not yet, but that's because I don't know enough about the narrative. What does the square? Wait, wait. What does the square bracket represent? <laughs> I know there's square brackets. That's that's the limit of my knowledge. It's it's one of those things where it's like I know there's a thing. I don't know enough about the thing to ask the intelligent question. So <laughs> uh, I can't tell um, <laughs> because you I'm going to guess it's um, not square bracket. <laughs> uh, have you guys got anything you'd like to uh, to close on? Um, you know, pimp your game. Tell people they should be playing it or where to go to Plugs do so. Uh, okay, well, I'll, I'll, I'll go for it. Yeah, all right. Uh, um, <laughs> it's available on Steam. Uh, Cycle Twenty Eight. Um, check it out. Check out the community hub. Do join our Discord if you even got the uns- a small inkling that you might not uh, want to pick it up. I'm sure the Discord okay. channel and all the friendly, helpful people there will uh, persuade you to pick the game up. Um, but I think actually what I'd like to close on, uh, and I'm sure you jump in and do your own closing, is just to thank you guys for having us on the on the podcast. Um, That's no you problem. Know, and uh, you know, and continuing to educate us on beer, yeah. which I think is you know yeah. basically <laughs> the most important thing in my life right yeah. now. It's just nice. it's just developing that palate. Yeah. Yeah. No. Massive thanks, and um, thanks, Ben. Like you did the first let's play. Yeah. Which was incredibly Ooh, really? helpful to us, mm-hmm. yeah. During nice. testing and and different things, and like like in a way, you you are the reason that the upgrade menu is in the start is that is when you push start. There's an upgrade menu now. <laughs> yeah, excellent. Yeah, hooray! So, so you're making a tangible difference in the world. You know, good. Yeah. That's the, my only my only contribution to society. So <laughs> but you guys have a Twitter you might want to yeah, share. <clears throat> At Pillbug Int. Just search for Pillbug Interactive on Twitter. Yeah, same thing on uh, Facebook. Nice. And you guys said Facebook. Yeah, yeah. Uh, if you, f- I think if you just search Pillbug Interactive, it's Facebook slash Pillbug Int as well. It's the same as our Twitter awesome. handle, and mm-hmm. you can find all of those on Pillbug Right. Yes. Perfect. Dot zone. And Ben, if people wanted to excellent um, find us as as a as a community in a podcast, and then you. Um, you can go to at tanktup underscore cast on Twitter, tanktupcast at gmail dot com if you'd like to send us longer form thoughts. Is there? You can also get me at Nova underscore forty seven on Twitter or on PSN and on Steam if you want to play some games with me. Adol, how do people talk you to you? You can get me at, at the Omniarch. That's T H E O M N I A R C H on all the things except Twitch, where you I'm um, the underscore Omniarch. And maybe one day I might actually try and stream this game um, uh, if I can get nice. over my abar- embarrassing twenty five hundred score. Hey, twenty five hundred is <laughs> a reasonable start. Like this is your first solid session of the game. I think you should be very yeah. pleased with that. If you want, you to can see... title it "Quest to Upgrade right. One." <laughs> oh, come on, I, I'm on uh, upgrade. I have 
four remaining, I think. Yeah, there, there oh, you okay. go. That's good. Yeah, that's, that's good. I mean, if you want to laugh at it, you can go and look at our development videos and see some oh. horrendous Oh, I was going to say, actually, uh, before we, we sign off, I know we've done plugs, and sorry, there's substantive content to follow, but how good are you guys at the game? Because... Uh, Fantastic. We're really good. We we very good. So bad. So bad. <laughs> it's, it's 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 funny how bad we are. We've done a series uh, almost every week uh, in the lead up to to release, and we've uh, done a couple post release as well, where Sean and I battle it out on Cycle Twenty Eight. We do three runs each, and uh, we talk and chat about the development and stuff. And it's atrocious. Um, I like to use the excuse that it's because we're recording and generating content. But, Nerves. Um, you know, no, we're not that great at the game. It's fine. Uh, <laughs> it's fun watching us be terrible. Excellent. I mean, not excellent. I mean, it's excellent to be able to watch <laughs> no, you, no, I, no. I, either way about your <laughs> the quality of your uh, efforts. Should we finish then on beers? Um Adel, I'm actually going to come to you Cheers. first. You had two beers. Which was your favourite? Ooh, tough decision. Um, I think if the gingerly pale ale had a little more ginger, just because um, while there was, you know, some tropicaliness going uh, and some other things going on with the arbor, um, it, it just didn't like so. So there were other tastes going on. It just sort of prepared me for something it wasn't, um, and it was really mm. refreshing. Uh, I think I might actually go with the White Hags Irish uh, IPA. Um, and and it's not because it was, like, honestly, it's just a good IPA entry, and it sort of was what it yeah. said it was going to be, has some consternation on its description, whatever an aunt birthing, a, a, a wolfhound aunt <laughs> birthing a man means. Um, but, uh, yeah, in general, I think uh, I, it was a really satisfying beer, and um, I don't know how much of my sort of hemming and hawing on the arborist because I just expected something the label didn't deliver sure. but in general I, I like them both quite a lot so it's, it's really it's a narrow margin mm. how okay. about yourself that's fair. that's fair um i think for me i'm gonna go with the bristol crush from wiper and true uh a pale ale the future shop from wylam was nice uh a dark ale that's not really my kind of beer style mm. that I would grab. So whilst it was a nice beer, it had nice chocolatey, a few roasted notes to it, uh, and it was very pleasant to have, um, I think I would reach for the Bristol Crush um, again. Right. I think I would have very easily had another bottle straight after. It's very sessionable. It's very easy to drink. Uh, I think I said it was almost you know, like a tropical fruit squash. Um, just so, so easy. To, to knock back um, and have an, an afternoon and an evening absolutely disappear from you <laughs> with no recollection of it whatsoever after several of them, more than likely. Um, so, yeah, I think the Bristol Crush. Uh, maybe it's because it's got Bristol in the name. I'm biased. That's what um, it is. And um, would you guys recommend the beer you had? Did you enjoy it sufficiently? Slash more than sufficiently? It, it's, an, it, it's kind of like an easy drinking kind of, like, not amazingly... Amazing beer. <laughs> if, <laughs> it's something I, I would like. See why I'm the words guy. <laughs> yeah. I like not amazingly drink. amazing. It was pleasant, and 
Sometimes that's what you want, though, right? You just want a simple beer that isn't going to slap your face yeah. with hops. Yeah, and I mean, fruit and that's a similar reason why I like this Irish IPA, is that it did IPA stuff not in your face, but reasonably well, and mm. it was refreshing, and mm. it seemed to fit the moment. Yeah, yeah. yeah exactly. Yeah. I mean, for my, my, for my, pep, you know, my take on it is it, yeah, it's not the kind of beer I would necessarily go for, but if a friend bought it to for me uh, and brought it to the table, I'd be happy so, with so that. So one of the things <laughs> we talk about, especially when it's sort of more unique tasting things, is like, would you order a second? Because sometimes we have you have unique beers where it's like, this is doing a thing. Mm-hmm. I appreciate it. It's it doing the thing on on that, those merits, but I would never be like another round of X. So I'm curious, would you would you gladly have a second? I uh, wouldn't. No, me neither. Ooh, I, I prefer that? like darker beers, um, kind of the opposite. If you've been in a way, if you're saying you mm. didn't like those. Um, so yeah, it's not necessarily the kind of thing I normally drink. Yeah, and I would need something softer. I can't I can't keep going with that many, you know, that much hops, even though it was, you know, yeah, perfect. I mean, you guys have very idea. disparate tastes, it seems, but it's good to mm. find out. And so it's, so it's enjoyable, but maybe not a, a, a renewable thing. Mm-hmm. Excellent. Yeah. That's fair. A good note to finish on. Uh, remember, you can go to outoflives.net. We are part of Out of Lives. There's lots of other podcasts and articles and articles, reviews, and things, let's plays, and some such that you can go and look at. Uh, remember, go to pillbug.zone, the much underused domain address. <laughs> zone. The only time I've it, ever seen its it, incorporation. It's coming there. back. Don't worry. Is it? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Uh, for another week we have been tanked up thanks bye bye there we go do you need a bite yeah, yeah, from no, us you gotta oh, say bye. <laughs> I, I see that was a hard no, cut it, there's always the awkward bye and like to be honest uh, Lucy and I sometimes have a, um, a battle to see who will actually give in to the bye first um, and then and then the uh, subsequent talk gets on in the post uh, credit sequence, so to speak. Okay. So, so this is also okay. being recorded and it will continue to be so. All, all A-grade material. Yeah. yeah. <laughs>